Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Big Week in Gaming podcast, and what do you know, it's been a big week in gaming. I'm Intergot for episode 46 on Sunday, the 30th of May, 2021. As always, I'm joined by the official P3 nominated and approved Xbox Hall of Famer and number one challenger to the mantle of the greatest Xbox RPG player in the world, Swinney. Hello. And the game-loving, grind-hating, pretend-to-quit, coffee-drinking, gamer-anti-gamer, and slightly less interoperator-in-chief who had to get a coffee before this intro, Mike? I tried, man. I'm (laughs) trying. I'm trying, all right? I'm trying. It's hard. In this week's show, we'll be discussing the Switch Pro announcement is incoming, an update on how Epic vs. Apple's court case closed out, and finally, our look at the last Game of Summer of the Year for 2011 nominee, Dark Souls. As always, if you want to check us out on socials, follow Big Wig Pod. B I G W I G P O D. I always feel like I'm going to misspell that every week. Um, quick updates. So, public registrations for E3 2021 visual events will begin the 3rd of June. So, we are certainly heating up for E3, and a lot of pre 3 activities are happening, a lot of shows are happening. Uh, on E3, uh, Microsoft and Bethesda have announced a joint showcase, which I think is really interesting from a branding perspective. Based on the art, definitely Halo is going to be there, but also Starfield. And that's set for a convenient 3am start for us in Australia on the Eastern <laughs> Seaboard, uh, the 13th of June. And then Axiom Verge 2 has been unfortunately delayed to Q3 2021, which, by the way, just really, really quickly... I always find it funny when people talk about COVID delays for these type of games that are developed by a solo person who probably has not changed <laughs> at all what they do day to day. Anyway, I'll, I'll park it up there. And then finally, Monster Hunter Rise version 3.0 launched this week, and as I sort of speculated, it's including a new ending to the game, and they've sold 7 million copies of that game so far. And you keep trying to get me to buy one, and I refuse, because... Well, it was on sale. I know, but I'm sticking to my to my mid-year resolution, sure. which is not to purchase any game whatsoever for the remainder of the year. Just but, uh, on that yeah. on that Axiom Verge two thing, I think you're, I, I think you're kind of you know not telling the full picture. You know, someone uh, intergot, you know, that has probably experienced this when you're talking about COVID and working from home and having children. And having to homeschool children that can't go That's to true. school, you you know how disruptive that can be. And so I can just imagine for someone that um, you know is a game developer that probably will maybe you know I don't know that particular situation, but I could definitely see that thing. thing I take my statement back. Happen. I take my statement back, because <laughs> actually the developer he uh, oh, something Hap Tom Hap. Um, I know that I'm, I'm quite sure about this. I might be wrong, but. I believe his his kid has special needs as well. Yes. Um, so yeah, like mm. yeah, that would certainly be uh, very difficult. <laughs> like I'll probably just delay the game to twenty twenty three. So that that's me. He's doing a much better job than I am. Um, I'm actually looking forward to that one. I never quite finished number one, but I think I'll probably go back and finish one. And yeah, I'm kind of like a quarter way two. through it, and I love it. It's yeah. very much more like Metroid than Super yeah. Metroid. But it's like a super cool. It's like as if that series went off in a different tangent, like mm. and it was Metroid Two or something. Um, and then Swinny, you had a shout out to the community. Yeah, just uh, there's some passionate, <coughs> there's some passionate uh, Pocky and Rocky fans out there. So <laughs> just wanted to just give uh, give an awesome yeah shout out to them. Uh, keep fighting the good fight, the Pocky and Rocky fight. <laughs> we'll have to merge into being uh, Amiibo slash Pocky and Rocky channel. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm down for it. I'm down for God, it. God, I'm just looking through the run sheet. Any amiibo there stories isn't. this week? There isn't. Oh, thank there isn't. God. There finally. <laughs> finally, a week of no amiibos. I think I counted it. I think it's like one third of our episodes have a reference to amiibo in them. Why am I not late, surprised? Late, late breaking news. All right, there's a new amiibo segment. Well, just I, I'm just trying to think what amiibo would be even upcoming. I don't think there's any games for the Switch that would require amiibo. So. Uh, so, uh, what have you been playing this Lady week? Lady Dimitrescu from, from, from Resident Evil. Is oh, yeah. They're making Amiibo for third-party games that aren't even on the Switch. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. Oh, by the way, just a, just a quick update because we're talking about E3. I think BlizzCon is cancelled for yeah. this year because of COVID. Yeah. So, just a mini update on that one. Uh, this week, I've mostly been playing uh, Link's Awakening, the, the new one on the Switch. With the so I- remake. The remake, yeah. yeah. The remaster, remake? Well, it's not a remaster. It's not, not remastered. <laughs> remastered, remake? Well, what does it count as? Remake. I'll, okay, I'll, remake. I'll give you, well, Mike, that those terms are confused thought, quite a lot, but this well, can never be called a well, remaster. Well, no, I know, I know, but it's like, it's, it's, it's like, it's supposed to be faithful, kind of like how Dark Souls is faithful, right? I faithful don't know, remake. I don't the original. The faithful remake, that's what So, like, everything's it. in the same place, right? Yeah. As in all the enemy oh, no, no, there's new seashells. The... There's new seashells. Okay, well, yeah, but come on. that That's fine. Minor, minor little And difference. there's the dungeon builder, obviously, that was not in the original. Which, yeah, I played a little bit of that, but it wasn't that great. But yeah, I finished that. Uh, so it wasn't a surprisingly long game. Uh, well, why would it be long? It's a Game Boy game. <laughs> no, I know that, but I think I think the length, <laughs> the length of it is derived from the fact that sometimes you're like, what the heck do I do next? And it's also, interesting because... Most... Uh-huh. So I was to say, also, most classic Zelda games aren't very long in general. Yeah, that's so. true. Yeah, they're not long, but um, but I wonder, again, I think the, part of the length is because unlike modern games, there's no hand-holding. You have to, you know, re- figure out this little obscure thing that you have to, I don't know, push this rock in a random place to progress the game, you know, like that kind of thing where... A lot of games would probably put a little quest marker right there and then on that spot nowadays. Whereas back then, it's like, well, no, you can run around in circles for an hour trying to figure out what to do next. Yeah, I'm not but sure if that's by choice, that. though. They probably wouldn't... <laughs> they don't have the space on the cart- cartridge. No, I don't actually. think it was by choice, but I think it kind of like... It, it creates almost uh, an artificial... Not an artificial barrier in a bad way, but it creates a barrier and, and introduces a longer time just because of the fact that you have to figure out what to do next. Which is kind of cool. I didn't mind that, to be honest. So anyway, I finished that. Um, my girlfriend's now heavily into it. She's addicted to it, I think, because the first thing she she asked this morning is, "Can I have the switch? Is it charged?" So she's <laughs> playing through that, and um, nice. and I started uh, a link uh, to the past, ah, uh, nice. which nice. which is on this nest on the Switch as well, but this NES version of it, which I'm not enjoying as much, to be honest. Uh, maybe because I went from you know the nice, new, flashy, smooth gameplay to what is now a bit of an outdated gameplay where, you know, I get attacked by a crow and sometimes it's really hard to time exactly when I'm supposed to be swinging my sword <laughs> in which direction. And even though technically you can move in, you know, eight different directions, you're only really swinging in four. And anyway, but I'm, I'm yeah, I'm playing through that and I'm enjoying it. And I'm like, man, I could really see how awesome this would have been for you guys playing it back in, in what, the mid-90s or something when would you have played this game early 90s early 90s oh it would have been so incredible back then playing it on the on the snes so so yeah really enjoying those and that's pretty much in the, and then of course i started playing uh sweaty knows this just a little bit more of cyberpunk to wrap it up i looked at it and i put 70 hours into it 
So I know you're going to talk to us a bit more about it, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and I'm also keen to see how, how much time you've actually put into it so far. So Yeah, just to clarify, so Link to the Past came out in November 1991. 91. Mm. So Damn, that's, it's nearly 30 years old. It's incredible. That's crazy. Still holds, still, still holds pretty well, to be honest. Um, it, it's... And yeah, the story and everything's really cool. So I'm, I'm glad you guys got me into playing these games, so I can experience the whole Zelda thing. But I, I I'm a little worried now that I'm gonna go down the whole thing that Intergod did, which is there's all these like games that I never played, like Ocarina of Time. Oh, you gotta Mask. play Ocarina of Time. I'm gonna have to play all of them now. So yeah, that's gonna. Happen. But I think Ocarina of Time is like one like. Sweeney, help me out here. I mean, what would be <laughs> maybe Super Mario Brothers? If you kind of just say you have to play this game, if you're a mm. gamer, Ocarina of Time would be up there, but maybe Super Mario Brothers would be number one for me. What do you reckon? Okay. Yeah, look, I, Ocarina of Time is one of them. Thankfully, it got the, while a lot of people don't like that version, it at least got a bit of a facelift with the 3DS port. Mm. Um, and, you know, some, I guess, some of the issues that game had specifically around, like the water dungeon with the the metal boots or whatever it is, you know, that they fixed some of that stuff. That I'm just thinking, you know, as someone coming new to that game, that would probably be way more frustrating than people that experience it the first time. Right. But um, I at some point, surely there's got to be a full remake of that game, you know. So. Well, like a remake, right? Not like yeah, an actual remake. Yeah, and almost not not a mm. faithful one, I think. But it, that's such the challenge, right? It's a bit like uh, Super Metroid for me. A kind of, you know, I feel like Ocarina of Time probably needs it more. But Super Metroid, if they remade it, ugh, I don't know. It's really hard for me. Like it feels like it's so perfect the way it is. It'd be so hard to hit those heights with that game. But probably Ocarina of Time, given. Even on the 3DS, a bit of the slowdown, just the jankiness of the game comes through a bit too much. Mm. It, um, it would never happen, but with Super Metroid, part of me would be like super curious to see what Super Metroid would look like if it was like in a Metro Prime format. Um, obviously, they would have to change a lot about the game, but just to like experience it from that gameplay perspective as opposed <laughs> yeah. to the traditional 2D would something I've always been. I would, I would enjoy it in. So Link's Awakening, I thought was really cool. They did. I mean, again, I have never played the original, but I think I want to actually see it just to compare side by side now. But I feel like that's a really good remake where you get you maintain the original. The gameplay is pretty, you know, largely the same, but you just zhuzh it up for modern graphics and, and modern systems. And if they did something like that with uh, with Metroid. Oh, I reckon it'd be awesome. And I really enjoyed Super Metroid when I played it on the the SNES on the Switch. So yeah, a modern version of it still being faithful to the original game would be really cool. Actually, when I think about it, if you finish Link to the Past, mm-hmm. and given now that you've played Super Metroid, you can play the randomizer that merges <laughs> Super Metroid and Link to the Past together. Okay. That's... So you'll go through certain like tunnels or <laughs> dungeons, and it goes yeah. back and forth between the two games. <laughs> it's awesome. really insane. It's so cool. <laughs> it's amazing, and uh, the, the way... How they're able to do it is just almost like coincidental in some yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's just That's wild. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just a short story on that is basically it's accessing RAM. Mm-hmm. And because like where it's accessing the RAM, each of the games is accessing the opposite half of the RAM. 
So they didn't have to change any of the addresses of when... Basically, it's almost like, you know how like a telephone... The old school telephone switch... Yeah. With like the operator who would switch you into calls, yeah. they're able to do it without rewriting the addresses. So they can just literally go, <laughs> Oh, you're going from here to there. So you're going from like this dungeon to this part of the Metroid map, you know? Uh-huh. So if it wasn't like that, it would have been an absolute nightmare to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty incredible that it That's just, awesome. like Swinney said, it just was an accident. <laughs> it was not by design, obviously. <laughs> If anyone wants to check it out, Games Done Quick have some good runs uh, as well of that that they did there. So. <laughs> now, that would be a sick double pack from Nintendo if they released like <laughs> Link to the Past, Super Metroid, and then the randomizer combined. It would be like the least Nintendo move in history. Uh, in terms of what I've been playing this week, yeah, pretty been much nothing. <laughs> like I've Man. been really unwell this week. I've uh, slept so half the weekend. Work was really, really busy. Uh, and then... I went to fire up Monster Hunter Rise on the way home on the train, hmm. and then I was realizing that I was carrying a dead switch. It was like out of batteries. Oh, no. I don't know how it was out of battery. Uh, so then I was like, oh, okay. Um, and then, yeah, I just haven't had much time to play. I really wanted to play Control, so I played a little bit of Control, but that's it. I, I can't even remember when I played that. It might have been last week, so... That was last week? Yeah, yeah, there yeah. you go, yeah. I just really have not had time, unfortunately, just with the kids and everything like that. Um, but yeah, I really want to get back into control and finish that. Uh, I think it's pretty critical that I get through that before next week. <laughs> All right, Sweeney, what have you been playing? So I have been playing essentially nothing but Cyberpunk 2077. Nice. Put a, lo- a lot of time in there this week. Um, and got to say, uh, man, the game... It took a little bit to completely win me over, mm. but I love this game so much. Um, <laughs> it's We know, I don't have to st- state all the reasons why, we know it's not a perfect game in any way, but it there's just something like, I think when it started really clicking with me, you just you start to fall in love with the world and the characters and everything. So what I thought I would do is actually do a little bit of a thing where I tell you guys... Four things that I loved about the game, mm-hmm. and actually four things I hated about the game. Um, now, hate's a bit of a strong word. Some of these are like I strongly disliked, but um, to give I get I guess a bit more context where I'm up to. I've actually finished the game. Oh, so, wow. yeah. So, <laughs> like actual ending, the, the, the main story. Yeah, so I finished the game. I finished all the side, essentially all the major side quests. <laughs> Whoa! And what? And I've, been, um, I've been playing this for seventy hours, and I'm not even close. Oh, and this you just nuts. started. You just got it. And you just started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So basically, the <laughs> yeah. only side stuff I've got left is um, it, at, when you're out in the world. Sometimes it will trigger a side quest that, um, like, just by talking to a random oh, yeah. NPC. Yeah. So there's there's likely going to be some of that stuff that I haven't seen, which I might seek out a bit. Mm-hmm. And I've only done about fifty percent of like the. Um, the open world content in terms of like the the scan hustles and the geeks they're kind of when i say sites finish all the side quests i'm talking about the ones that are like the under the side quest panel like for the major npcs and all that stuff yeah because um, you have those and then you have the the police ones and whatnot that don't really fall under that bucket i think yeah they're, and they're just little things you do yeah and the gigs and you know mm. one of the quests is hey you know you gotta take out the the cyber psychos all around the map. Like I haven't finished all that, those particular ones. So I'm kind of 50% of the way towards that stuff. Um, but yeah, though I finished, uh, finished it yesterday, um, got to the end and, um, now I'm actually going to 
play there's like multiple potential ways you can go there so i want to kind of experience the rest of that um so i've got some strategic saves there to kind of you know to see how that goes <laughs> are there strategic saves to experience it or strategic saves because there's achievements associated both. you know what the answer to that <laughs> is you know what the answer i know to that i know is. i just thought i'd ask it anyway it's both because it's um, the only thing that matters to to no to explain it would to be the spoiler so um okay all like all there's let's just say there's substantial different ways to go there so i um i want to see what that plays out as well but yeah in terms of the the stuff i love and hate so i'll go you know one love and one hate so i love the world Mm -hmm. the just the detail that goes into this and just it's such a massive believable city that's layered on top of each other in such an honestly impressive way. I don't think I've seen a game kind of allow you to essentially climb on any single building and keep going vertically for ages. And there's, you know, there's quests that are, you know, layered on top of each other. It's just wild what they've done. And I can see what they mean about having issues with the game streaming on the older platforms because of how they've designed the world. Um, but the actual, yeah, like it, it's feels weird to say, but once it starts click, like it feels like a, like a real world in a lot of ways. And I think that's, that's such a testament to what they've done with the game Hmm. in terms of one thing I hate, I've got to get it out, get it out at the start. It's the bugs. Like this game, while it's generally stable with the current patch, um, that I've played it on, it gets really glitchy. And I said last week that I haven't really experienced many. Mm. I, I started experiencing a lot of those. And, those and we should and ask, glitches. even though we know what the answer is, what are you playing it on? I'm playing this on Xbox Series X. Mm. So Which that game... seems to be more stable than PlayStation 5 as a platform from what I hear from everyone. It runs like... I honestly don't think I've seen it. I haven't had any noticeable drops below 60 frames on Series X, and it looks really, really good outside of... You know, I'll I'll get to the graphics um, pretty soon. But the in terms of the, the glitches, you know, I, I started hearing glitches where the NPC audio just stops working <laughs> completely. The audio yeah. dialogue, like whether or not it's a phone call or you're speaking to someone on the street. And for a lot of these glitches... The fix is generally, hey, save the game and reload it, and it mm. works. Um, there's times when that doesn't work, and you've got to save, restart the game entirely, load up your save, and it fixes it. But this is the kind of stuff that, you know, I mentioned, it feels like the game's kind of held together by duct tape. Mm. And a lot of that is just, honestly, if you want to play this game at the moment, like, it's stable, but you got to have some safety saves just in case it's but my recommendation in general around this is you wait 100% wait on this game until the patch it even more mm. um so another thing i love is the graphics this game is just fucking gorgeous it's beautiful um, oh it's so good like the use of color the weather effects like this like the sandstorms the rainy nights the lighting they just absolutely nail it there's now, when you start looking up close, the the facade starts to kind of disappear a little bit in terms of the textures, at least on console. Um, or like you'll be looking at a plate of food and it's very rough. But when you take it as, I guess, the whole package of, of the scene that's being presented to you, the game just looks amazing. The art design is fantastic. So that's, a, that's yeah, I think they, they nailed it there. 
Now, the next thing I hate is the inventory. Oh, my mm. God. This game, <laughs> in my opinion, needs a massive overhaul in its inventory system. Yeah. Uh, like The Witcher 3 eventually got. I don't know, Mike, if you agree with that one. No, I, I do agree with it. Uh, it's Yeah, I'm trying to actually remember the original Witcher 3 inventory because all I remember is the revised one, which was good. But, yeah, this one, I find myself constantly having to clear it. And there's certain things that... There's no way to, like, for example, quickly mark something as junk, I think, and then just it's... get rid of... So it's 100%, little things 100%. like that, yeah. You end up that, just constantly having to manage your inventory because you pick too much shit up. That that junk, not being able to junk and bulk disassemble a bulk cell is one of the biggest flaws this game has outside of the bugs to me. Um, because, as you said, you're constantly picking stuff up and this game allows you to pick anything up. There's no, like, oh, you stole this kind of stuff. So you are always looting um, without any care really so you start to get lots and lots of stuff and at some point i stopped looting all the enemies unless i saw it was like a rare item i just stopped looting because i'm like i just don't want to go through and have to disassemble one stuff one by one because you'll go through disassembling and then half you know i I, I end up disassembling something by accident that i didn't want to because it's weird as well you go to you do something that like flickers on this yeah because it changes the order Oh, it it's... refreshes the order and stuff, and then sometimes yeah. you can screw it up if you're not careful. There's yeah. a lot of work they need to do in the inventory. Mm-hmm. But the next, the I guess the third thing I love is I love the story and the characters in this game. Oh, really good. This it definitely got a lot of Witcher vibes in how it builds out a strong cast of characters that you actually grow to care for. Now, they're not not all of them are great. Um, some of the smaller NPCs for some of the side missions are like, okay, they're kind of very much caricatures. But, yeah, I mean, this game plays on that stuff. Um, but I think, yeah, characters like Judy in particular, I think they're just... I love how she's written and where the story goes with her. Mm. But as for the plot, man, I love this. It's uh, It goes places that not many other games go. And... The thing with the main quest, this might be one of the my favourite main quests I've played in an RPG. Whoa, okay, that's a big claim. Yeah. I, I think the way that this plays out is fantastic. There's an actual... It's artificial, as in it's not real, but there, it feels like there's a sense of urgency to the main quest that makes you want to actually do it, unlike a game like Skyrim. It actually <laughs> feels like, oh, this I need to get to this stuff at some point because it's important to the narrative. Um, mm. And I guess for characters as well is, I actually think Keanu is absolutely brilliant, Keanu Reeves, as Johnny Silverhand. I actually think he's great. He um, is, but what do you find of his voice acting? It's I... Keanu Reeves. I mean, he always yeah, has but... that monotone thing, but I, I like it. I think this might be my favourite performance of his. Oh, wow. <laughs> See, uh, that's really fascinating because to me, it was, to me, his his voice acting is actually probably the weakest voice acting in the game out of all the other characters. Like, I, as in, as I in liked the, it. I really liked it. Like, it wasn't it. bad. It's just that it, it felt the weakest, if that makes sense. It felt like it, to me, it was the most disjointed voice, if that makes sense, where I'm like, it sounds super monotone sometimes that it, I get that it's part of the character, but at the same time, I just, it, it feels like it was reading lines sometimes. Look, you, there's times when that definitely happens, but he has a lot of dialogue, so there's there's oh, Lord, yeah. a lot there's a lot of chances for yeah. those misses. Um, but I think in general, I was expecting it to be, oh, it's Keanu Reeves, and it kind of he sold me on the character. I think it's really really good. It doesn't feel shoehorned in or mm. anything. It's really really good. 
Um, so I guess the next one, I hate the open world content, um, specifically the like the NCPD scanner missions dotted around the map. They just feel like absolute filler to me. Yeah. Um, and after like the 50th one you've done, I was just getting bored with it and I've still got to go and do the rest of them if I want to get 100%. Um, and it helps the level if of you skills want to get 100%. up. So. Yeah, yes, I know. That's why I have to always say that last part of the <laughs> sentence, just for you. Um, some of the gigs are cool, while others are just like, hey, get into the building, kill a dude and get out. And it's like, mm. but some of them are, are decent. But that those filler missions, those like NPC scan hustles and stuff, I'm just, I'm not a fan of those. Um, for the fourth and last thing I love, I love the controls in this game. For a developer that's never had first-person shooter um, elements or driving mechanics in their games, I think they did an awesome job with it. Oh, yeah. You know, it's really not good. it's not perfect, but uh, the, as a package of how your character moves around, especially when you get access to like a double jump and you can climb up in buildings and stuff, combine that with the shooting and the driving. I think it's just, I love the controls in this game. So, but the last thing I hate. Oh man, and this is this is getting into some very RPG nitty gritty in terms of like oh, a lot yeah. of people. We a lot it. of people probably won't, you know, have as much of an issue with this as I do. But the essentially the quest tracking system and the phone messaging stuff. It kind of it's they're very related. Um, I swear, the amount of times I would track a quest, I'd get a phone message from a character that I can't control when that timing happens. And it would automatically start tracking the quest that's related to that character. And then I'd have to bloody go back to start tracking the tra- the quest again, especially towards the end of the game when there's like only one major quest in my log. Um, it's like I'm constantly grappling and fighting against the game system. And the reason why it's so annoying is because, you know, you have to select your quest to track where it is, the waypoint on the map. And then suddenly it's like I start walking towards and I'm like, oh my God, it changed my quest again to this one. Um, I just, it pisses me off so much. Mm. And with the phone messaging system, there's, I mentioned cyber psycho missions, which is like open world missions that you can do. Just to complete those quests, you have to like go two levels deep into a phone messaging system to be able to reply that I could figure out anyway. And it's like, it just felt so clunky and unnecessary. And I just, I'd prefer if they just did that stuff automatically like any other game. I don't think it adds anything to the game, the fact that you have to go and manually reply to messages. Yeah, I agree. Because um, I don't think the replies... Oh, actually, I don't know. Did the replies... Because there's certain parts where you can choose the reply and I was never sure if that alters the quest or anything like that. I suspect it probably doesn't, but I've never tested. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether I'd... you're a prick or you're a nice guy in a reply kind of thing. I'd, I'd rather lose that element of choice to gain uh, Same. The, it not being frustrated by it. Yeah, especially if it's sense. artificial choice and it yeah. doesn't really make a difference. I, so, I kind of had that a little bit, but to be honest, I don't know, I never really... Maybe the way I was doing the quests and the way I was picking them, I didn't feel it as much. Oh, um, man, it happened all the time with me. I'd start tracking something, then suddenly it's tracking the main quest again okay. every single time. And it's just... It's also like selecting the quest and tracking it at two separate buttons. So it's just... There's okay, just maybe so it's just ma- easier on PC. <laughs> There's so many just like things there that would just make the experience so much better. But I guess overall, I lo- absolutely love this game. One of the best games I've played in ages. Um, just wish that 
it didn't run like crap, especially for um, people on the base consoles. Like, I really feel mm. sorry for people that have a base PS4 or a base Xbox One that were looking forward to this game and got pushed away by it because there's a lot to love there, but they've shot themselves in the foot. So, oh, A year from now, this is going to be an amazing experience, I reckon. But I don't think it will ever work <laughs> on the base consoles. No, not on the base consoles. No, definitely not. As, as Swinney said, when you really look at... You know, people think, oh, they're making excuses when they say, oh, there's all these interwoven systems and it's really hard to get them to all work correctly and the performance hit and all that stuff. There are a lot of things happening concurrently that you can kind of see why it would struggle on old gen. It's old gen now, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. previous gen. Previous gen, yeah. So, you know, again, it's a whole side story. We've covered it already. Yeah, Uh, But if you happen to get it on, on... uh, on the new generation and on PC, it's fantastic. But if you can hold off, like we've said before, give it another year. You'll still have an amazing experience now, but I think once they fix a lot of these things up, you're going to have a really, really cool experience with this game. It's incredible. Hmm. I came like ooh, five minutes away from buying this game. So, you know, to cut you know into the bargain bin a little bit, this game is just plummeting in price. It's It's selling in Australia now for... $34 on Amazon. So like what, 20 something, $25 USD. US, yeah, with tax. Uh, you know, that's just crazy. And that's Xbox, PC, and PlayStation. That is so cheap for a game that just came out. What was it, November 2020? Yeah, uh, December. Was it actually? Yeah, it was December, wasn't it? Yeah. That's also like so insane that it came out. It was one of the latest AAA games I've ever oh, heard yeah. of coming out in December. It's got to be maybe in the history of gaming, the the latest in the year to release. Games almost never released in December of that caliber. Um, so I was so close, but then I'm like, you know what I'm going to doing? Like, I feel like it's still ways away from being refined, and I doubt it's going to go up in price <laughs> from this point. It's yeah, it's a bit of a sad story, and I just worry. I don't know about the studio again if they don't get it. They just won't get it working on the Xbox. One and the PS4, and you feel like they're just waiting for more people to get those consoles and then just move on and forget about it. I, th- I feel like that's almost a strategy now. Mm. So, talking about something that we, you know, Cyberpunk, we've talked to death. Let's talk about a topic we haven't at all talked to death <laughs> on the podcast <laughs> Switch Pro. <laughs> well, the new Nintendo Switch Pro <laughs> is incoming. Uh, so, oh, yeah. The Super Nintendo Switch. The Super Nintendo, the new Super Nintendo Switch Pro. <laughs> uh, so, credible reports from Bloomberg, and then also backed up actually by Eurogamer with their own sources, mm. are saying that it appears that Nintendo is ready to announce the new Switch model and not only announce it at E3, it's announce it before E3 at this stage. And at one point uh, over the last, what was it, three or four days, people felt like it might have been announced before even the podcast went live. So like, you know, Friday, Saturday, our time. I was worried about that. I'm like, oh man, do I have to change the run sheet? (laughs) (laughs) Being the nerd that I am, the thing about that is, in the States, it's Memorial Day. So Monday is a day off for everyone, well, like majority of people in America, but a lot of companies give Friday off as well. And that's the same as Nintendo of America. They give Friday off. Now, fully understand that Nintendo is really run by Japan. But I am sure they would observe 
well, Nintendo America won't actually be at the office on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, would be pretty insane to announce something this large where the bulk of the stuff aren't there. Like, that mm. seems like, even for Nintendo, a dick move. Um, so because they didn't get announced on, like, early Friday our time, I was like, oh, okay, they're not going to announce it. But that kind of then makes you go, well, probably the earliest they will announce it is, like, Wednesday our time, but more like Tuesday their time. The other one is that uh, it actually got accidentally listed on Amazon Mexico. Now, normally you go, oh, yeah, whatever. The only problem with it about kind of going that it's fake or whatever is that the only people that can actually list those type of listings for pre-order on Amazon are the people who own the brands. So actually own those accounts. So I can't go on Amazon. I can go on Amazon and list a Nintendo Switch and say it's available for $800, but I can't list for pre-order a new product unless I own the brand. So, and they've stuffed up a lot of times in the past, uh, Amazon Mexico. There's a few games where they, like Spyro, they listed it, the Spyro trilogy re-release, and then they took it down straight away. So... Look, you know, for a long time we've all felt this is this is coming, but it does actually seem like there's a lot of things pointing to it coming out very, very rapidly. And it's going to be interesting because the Nintendo Switch, they just released that as a Twitter post. The Switch Lite, sorry. So I yeah. kind of wonder, is that all they're going to do with this as well? Well, so we've, we've talked about in previous segments, you know, what the reported details are around, you know, like... The new seven-inch screen uh, and you know the 4K support and stuff. I've started hearing some stuff that maybe this doesn't have the 4K support. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's kind of like I'm. It's. Do we still think this is the full upgrade? As in the proper because pro- yeah, it worries me because it says with the previous model being phased out, right? I think it's the. So... I think it's like the new 3DS. I don't. Yeah, I think the new 3DS wasn't really a huge boost in performance. Correct. Or anything, was That's it? what I think as well. But uh. do we still think it's going to have the 4K support DLSS stuff? Look, I think if they can do the DLS DLSS stuff, it's a no-brainer because it's it's hardware that does that work, hmm. and it kind of makes sense that maybe they'll always just target 1080p and then actually DLSS doesn't work like that. They still need to be within some kind of realm of the 4K. It'd have to go to, I don't know what it is, like 1440 or maybe even higher to then upscale to 4, 4K, but I'm, I don't know. I, I'm not really pro 4K. You guys know that I'm a more of a 1080p kind of person. I'd rather 60 frames per second than worrying about higher resolution. Well, yeah, yeah it's same, just... Especially for Switch games. Yeah, it's just given the fact that I've got a new TV now, I'm much more, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm much more observant. Too. <laughs> I'm much more observant of games that do and don't support that stuff Always than I have in the than I have been in the past. <laughs> so it's changed. You know, you've changed, man. You've changed. It used to be cool. No, but you always, it's like, you know, when I got my first 1440p monitors, now, you know, like, suddenly it's like, you start looking out for the stuff that before you didn't care about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you can see it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Before you couldn't. I'm sure if you look at something that's 720 on your 4K massive-ass screen, you'd be like, oh my god, this looks terrible. (laughs) Also, the thing is, 4K TVs don't upscale very well. So having things in native 4K is kind of important for 4K TVs. Um, so yeah, like, how, let, yeah let's, do... let's play some bets, boys. Hmm. Is this is this getting announced before E three? I think it is. Probably, yeah. I'd be I'd be more interested in placing bets as to what what 
it really is. As in, is it really a proper pro model or is it just an upgrade to the existing lineup? And I feel like reading it now, I don't know. I'm starting to think it's just an upgrade. It's not the pro that I thought it would be, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's not the Series X. Sorry, it's not the Xbox One X versus the base console that I thought it might be, where you really get a good good oomph and performance. But maybe you do. I don't know. We'll see. I, I think the announcement before E3, which a lot of these articles have stated, um, really makes sense so that third parties can mention the fact that, you know, like, hey, potentially could mention that, you know, hey, this runs on the new Nintendo Switch or something. Um, and it kind of clears the air for the games lineup as opposed to having to spend half their direct on the new Nintendo Switch Pro or whatever. So. Yeah, look, I'm in the same camp as you, Swinney. Um I think when, when yeah, I don't know who said it, but maybe it was in the Bloomberg article, but where they're sort of just saying, getting the announcement out there that just means you can, people can get excited about hey, this game's going to be supported on the Switch Pro and it's going to run at 60 mm. frames per second. I don't know, like, I, I get what you're saying, Mike, about, like, the big bump or whatever, but number one, Nintendo doesn't really care about that. Number two, they just oh. want to make sure everything's profitable. Number three, it's now more than four years old, the Switch. So a four-year jump in technology, even if you're kind of holding everything static in terms of, oh, you don't want to spend more, you don't want to make it a supermodel or anything... Just having a four-year bump in technology, you're going to have a massive increase. Okay. Given given the tech, tech that they're using and the maturity and everything, you know, you look at it, and I think almost every game that wasn't 60 frames per second should be bumped up to 60 frames per second. To me, that is huge. Like, I've been holding off playing Xenoblade Chronicles because, honestly, it just runs like trash. It's a freaking awesome game, like both of them, but it, they just run like trash. And when the Switch Pro comes out, they're some of the first games I want to play. And there's mm. a, a stack of games, like Link's Awakening. I'd play that again, but just the hitching and all that kind of stuff just is so annoying, and it really threw, threw me out of the game too many times. Yeah, but all I'm saying is uh, don't get your hopes up. It's not guaranteed that it's actually going to fix some of that stuff. Well, I think if the game prevents it from being fixed, that's one thing, but just given the boost in power of four years, it, like I'd be shocked... You'd think it, if it doesn't good, yeah. go start hitting 60 frames a second. The same as like Hyrule Warriors, that runs like crap. There's a lot of games on the Switch, I think we all know, that don't run that well. Hmm. And for me, yeah, just getting that bump up is going to be massive. It's going to be awesome. Um, and, you know, honestly, as soon as it becomes available on EB Games, I'm just going to buy it straight away. I probably will too. Let's, let's be honest, yeah. You, yeah. I'll trade in the one I, I just bought. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we're both day one. What are you, where are you going to land on that, Swinney? Well, there's two things here. So, first of all, I want to see what that whole 4K sport upscaling potentially is. <laughs> um, oh, what, You've what changed you so much. What <laughs> it's like your new thing now. I like it. 4K Swinney. No, because the, I, the thing is, like, when you're judging, do I want to buy something? You've got to think about, okay, what, what is it worth to me, mm. right? And, like, if when we talked about this before... I'm not super interested in, in in this model because I I'm fine with my current switch. I generally play it docked in at the moment. So the uh, and that gets to my second point is you know the, the it'd be a benefit to me to get new Joy Cons because I'm have I mm. still have ones that drift. Um, but 
when you combine those two, I'm interested just to see what happens there. I don't think they're going to fix the drift switch drifting problems, but no. just getting a new set of Joy-Cons is, you know, those <laughs> things are expensive just by themselves. So, um, but I'm just, yeah, I'm interested to see what they do with the hardware. But honestly, I'm, I'm not going to be in a rush to get this. And I don't think I'll be able to get one anyway if I wanted it. So, mm. Actually, you know, when I bought, like I, I ordered the Zelda Joy-Cons, I think EB, they're like, oh, you can get 50 or 60 bucks off if you trade in your old Joe-Cons. I'm just like, they surely wouldn't even check if they're drifting or anything. No, they don't. They never check that stuff. I feel like that's just like, maybe it's a bit dodgy, but I'm like, surely I'm going to take that deal, right? Like, here's, here's my broken ass Joy-Cons. <laughs> Give me they the do go ones. to get refurbed and stuff. I just don't know if even there they bothered to check. Or You'd have to dismantle like the whole bloody thing to take all the dirt out, because that's basically what happens. All the dirt accumulates on the sensor. Hmm. Yeah. Look, like, let's hope that next week the, the announcement happens. I, I, you just look at Nintendo. One thing that I do wonder is, are they going to look at it and go, all these reports have come out. F you, everyone. We're going to now hold it back. <laughs> I mean, they're so insane. They might do something like that, which would be pretty funny. All right. Well, so Swinney's a day one if uh, it's got good 4K support. That's what I'm reading into this. Nope. <laughs> All right. Let's get into our next story. Epic versus Apple. The court case wraps up, uh, but it's not the end of the story. So uh, for week one coverage, if you go back a couple of weeks, we had week one coverage uh, where we summarized most of the activities. And I think like week one of the trial, given... All the accidental leaks that happened. Uh, also, just a lot of the fireworks happened in week one. I think week two and week three, now that the case is actually concluded, week two was definitely like the most boring, so we didn't cover it last week. Um, so yeah, week two, mostly on like the battle of experts. So, you know, obviously it's a trial, so they need to define basic stuff. Like, what's a game? Like, what's a console? So they'll literally go... What's a PlayStation? They'll have a photo of a PlayStation. Is this a PlayStation? All this kind of crazy stuff. And the experts from Apple and Epic side, it's they just, even the judge said they were just talking over each other, like talking through each other and like not really landing on a spot. And fundamentally, they're trying to define what a market is because they'll be able to say you're a monopoly and you're abusing your monopoly power. That's a really key thing that I think you just can't emphasize enough. In America, it's not illegal to have a monopoly it's illegal to abuse your monopoly power in a way that's illegal, which is not really well-defined at all. It's just like literally one sentence in legislation. Um, so essentially, you know, Epic is trying to, and I think it's pretty hard to actually make this case, but they're trying to say each step of the journey of getting like an iPhone is a market. So there's a market for phones. Then the app store itself is a market on itself. And then in-app purchases is a totally separate market. So those three things, you could argue, have nothing to do with each other. They're all disconnected. Whereas Apple, and you know, I'm not pro-Apple by any means, but Apple is like arguing that the whole ecosystem of the iPhone, when someone buys it, you know, having the whole app store, everything's integrated, highly secure, all these kind of things, that is one market. That is a holistic world garden from their perspective. And I think like generally from, you know, you listen to the, the line of questioning from the judge probably is citing a little bit more on the Apple side of the fence in terms of, you know, where that actually stands. Um, I think from week two, and it went into week three, the one thing that is really interesting for Epic, and I think just taking a huge step back, 
most people looked at this case and thought, no, Epic has got no chance in hell. They've got the money to go fight the case, but they just won't even come close to winning. I, I think that that opinion has changed a lot. And if there was a betting market around it, like Epic's odds have shortened a hell of a lot, that's for sure. Um, you know, they've made a lot of good points. The judges kind of like lent into what they're saying. And from week two, the judge kept on leaning into this rule. And I've personally experienced this rule as an app developer in the past. And just the way that Apple does things, they have a rule around, you can have, say, just say with Netflix, you can buy a subscription to Netflix on netflix.com. But if you download the Netflix app on iOS, you cannot at any way tell people through the app that they can buy a subscription on the website. And you can't point them out to it. You can't like go click here to get a subscription and jump over to the Netflix site. So it's like anti-steering and it's part of their rules. And to me, it's always felt, you know, sure, there might be ways that you can do it. So it's not so in your face, but that's always felt, felt like a bit of an abuse of their power. And it's not something necessarily that it started with in a way, like when they started the app store, but became very strong all the way through, like because companies were trying to skirt around it or kind of provide hints to customers, but they would like shut it down a lot. And then, you know, you had even questions from the judge on this very topic that just basically said, what's so bad about it anyway for consumers to have a choice? So that's referring to, okay, you can buy the, you know, V-Bucks for Fortnite by clicking that button that pays through Apple or, you know, click here to buy it through the website. And that might not even mean, you know, not necessarily like, hey, it's cheaper if you buy it through the website. It's just here's an alternative, which Apple doesn't even allow. Um, so I think that's one part of the case that, you know, is quite interesting. I think on the other side, and, you know, Apple made this case very, very well, is that they have not actually changed. So from the start, when they launched the App Store, they always had a 30% commission on apps and in-app purchases. And to really like, you know, land yourself successfully with uh, antitrust in the US, you have to show that you've abused your monopoly power. Now, how can you really argue that they've abused their monopoly power where they haven't actually changed the commissions? They haven't changed the in-app purchase commissions. They haven't increased it. They haven't done anything like that. So uh, just, just on that note, yeah. I could be wrong, but haven't there, in terms of like the market of the actual, like the phones themselves and I guess like the the OS um, spread across like mobile phone owners, haven't they actually lost market share? Uh, hasn't Android grown, I should say, as opposed to they're losing it throughout the years anyway? So hasn't that like, you could argue the monopoly maybe isn't even, isn't as big as it used to be? Well, it, it depends on how you look at it, right? So if you're talking about phones, physical phones, hmm. yes, 100%. Like they've gone from, it was like about 50-50 in America at one point. And they're down to like 20% or 15%, some ballpark like that. But probably where you need to like focus on is where's the money, right? Like who's actually making the money? And if you're looking at profit, like mm. Apple, if anything, has strengthened its position. It's still like 60, 70, 80% of the mobile phone market in America. Okay. And very, very strong in Australia as well. Yeah, no, just, yeah, I was just thinking you're saying, you know, like, the fact that they haven't changed their stance. And to me, I'm just thinking of that. It's almost like they've actually don't have as much control as they used to in terms of the mm. ownership. So. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that, that makes sense. And I think just on that point, so there's two key things. I was really surprised actually that Tim Cook actually appeared 
at uh, the court case. Supposedly that was always known. I hadn't heard about that. And just normally with CEOs, they try to avoid them coming to these type of trials if they can. They spin all BS of why they can't come, but they figure out a way to get rid of them out of, out of the situation. But he actually did appear and he was pretty terrible. Same as Phil Schiller, another guy who's like, you know, reports to the CEO, very, very critical guy. I don't think they came across very well. And now they probably had a goal to not reveal any critical business data about Apple, um, profitability and everything. They're playing the long game, which is, you know, they're a worldwide company. They don't want to get into a position where they're running afoul of other countries like in other jurisdictions like the European Union, where they might use some of the data from this trial to then attack them and try to change their commission structures or policies or whatever. So they've, they're playing multiple games when they're appearing at this stuff. But because this is a judge trial, not a jury trial, like the judge will take all the evidence on board and she'll make a determination, not a jury where some of these BS answers might fly. I think it's going to come off very poorly with the judge. And it was, it's kind of bizarre. Like Apple is top three companies in total, in the total, like in the entire world in terms of value And even the judge directly asked uh, Tim Cook, you know, how profitable is the App Store? And his answer, this is verbatim, he goes, but, you know, I have a feel, which is we are. So his whole Mm. statement is like, he thinks they're profitable. The App Store, he thinks it's profitable. He thinks it's profitable. (laughs) (laughs) Like, speculation is the margin on the App Store is like maybe 70, 80%. People don't actually know, right? But 70, 80% margin on a product that is churning over hundreds of billions of dollars. And for him to turn around and say, I've got a feel. He literally says, I have a feel <laughs> that we are. Right? I, I haven't heard, I didn't hear his statement or like read his statement. Yeah. But is that simply because he didn't want to give wrong figures? Now, I'm no. not defending him. No, 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 no. But... No, no, definitely not. Because even when they, they do that kind of stuff in America, the way it works, they can clarify it later and bring financial statements and all that oh, okay, kind of stuff. Okay. Um, and it, in America is very different to Australia, which is I like, I know a lot more about like the legal system here, but in America, it's freaking brutal, man. Like I hadn't mentioned it earlier, but with one of the Epic uh, experts, they actually attacked his CV and saying, oh, his CV's bullshit. And there's some stuff that he's lied in his CV. And then you pull it apart and it's like, he's maybe embellished it a tiny bit. And I'm, I'm really saying a tiny bit and they've like totally ripped into this guy. And I feel actually bad for him, but yeah, the U S is very strange in that way. She, she did try to keep on like banging on about it. And cause even Phil Schiller was debating whether it's profitable, the app store. And he's like, well, I don't know because we just merge everything into one P and L line. So we don't know. We know the company's profitable, but we don't know if the app store is profitable. And it's just like, I, I get it. Like, I think they, they're just playing the long game, which is like, they don't want to get attacked worldwide for like their policies and profit margin and stuff like that. But one thing the judge did land on was that the very fact that they don't really know how profitable it is, and that's their statement. And the very fact that they haven't changed their, you know, commissions and all this kind of stuff kind of shows that they're not even getting hit up against like competition. Like the idea that they're so like, you know, ambivalent to everyone else. They don't even need to think about it because there isn't really any competition because if there was, they'd have to respond and reduce their rates or, you know, do something more dramatic, but they're not even thinking about it. It's like the idea that they're in such a, a blessed position that they're just, you know, 
you know, sitting on the swing, swinging away and going, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe we're profitable. I have a feeling we are. I think they know. I think they know. Well, I, they do, <laughs> of course but they know. again, this is their statements, right? Yeah, and their actions are they so haven't changed the commissions. And historically, they actually said maybe when they get to a billion dollars of profitability with the App Store, they start reducing the commissions. And Phil Schiller did say they expected more competition in that space, and it never happened. So their actions of not changing the commissions kind of shows that they're not being, like, there's no competition. Now, like I said from the start, you can be a monopoly in America. As long as you're not abusing monopoly power, there's no case with, like, the Sherman Act. So, like, that's going to be the really hard thing for Epic, but... Look, I, you know, just to wrap it up, like the judge probably going to take three to four weeks to come with her verdict. It's kind of crazy, like, to understand she's doing like a thousand cases at any time, which I don't know how that's possible, but that's what they do, um, these type of judges in America. The other thing is, it's no matter what happens, it will be successfully appealed. There's just no way that something of this magnitude wouldn't sort of, you know, be appealed. So it's kind of weird. She even mentioned from the start of the case that she knows it's going to get appealed successfully. Can I so, ask? Oh, sorry. Yeah, just, go on. Just to mention, you, you said they didn't change, haven't changed their commission at all. Do you know if they did they try to use the defense about the App Store's small business program that they introduced last year? Yeah. All? So yeah, they did. So they that's only at the time that the case was kind of like filed. Yeah. Um, and what they said, Tim Cook in the like in his testimony said that, oh, you know, because of COVID, we we wanted to do something with small business, and you know, yeah, we had all these lawsuits in the background, but you know, I think it was COVID that we made that decision. And then the epic uh, cross examination was, well, were you not worried about small business for nine months of COVID, and then you made the decision right before the case started. So, I mean, it doesn't look very good. Yeah, no, uh, thanks. I just want to just, because I, I haven't really, like, you are my source of news for this. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. So, uh, I know the timing of all, that whole thing when they dropped it to 30 to 50%. Uh, was it for developers that earn under a million sales a year or something? Yeah, so um, most developers, the majority of developers yeah. now, it's like 15%, not 30%. Yeah. And um, supposedly they had that in the works for four years. They were talking about it and how would they change the systems in the back end and stuff like that. So again, if it's been happening that long and they really had that view from COVID and given, you know, like Apple had the view that COVID wasn't going to be an overnight thing, why wouldn't they have announced that a month mm. or two months into the whole co- the COVID pandemic? It seems very, yeah. very coincidental. It just happened when they had so much pressure worldwide about yeah. the rigs. Um, and then just like to close it out, you know, so like I said, no matter what the decision, they're going to repeal it. And the thing is, it's such an important case. It's probably the, one of the most important tech cases, antitrust cases, probably since the Microsoft decision with the Department of Justice in the 90s. So, I mean, this kind of case is probably likely to go to the Supreme Court unless, you know, the parties figure out some way to align it. It does, like, my gut feel, and it's just totally wild-ass guess, is... I wouldn't be surprised if the judge just also given the line of questioning, which you can't always trust because sometimes you're just trying to be devil's advocate. But I think like one thing that would be really good is if there are alternatives, how do you like in in-app purchases, how do you remove some of the anti-steering that Apple does? And how do you write that rule in a way that's fair to Apple as well? Because you certainly don't want to have a system where Apple turns into the railroads, which does seem unfair because of all the stuff they've developed. But it does seem crazy to me that, 
you know, I'm in Netflix. I can't like click on something to jump onto their website and subscribe to Netflix. I have to independently go to Netflix to set it up. Like that seems a bit strange to me. So like I said, probably two to three to four weeks, maybe even longer, she'll come with a verdict and then uh, they'll go from there. They'll appeal it straight away. And there is actually a court case in Australia as well, but they're waiting for the decision. But I don't know what the decision's going to be because if it's, it literally could take years to resolve. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting what the Australians do as well because they've held off until the verdict comes through for this case. So I'm not sure if they just kick it off there depending on how it lands, but... That's pretty interesting. So we'll look back on this when the verdict comes out. I mean, if it's a slam dunk for Apple, I don't know. The judges in America are pretty conservative, so I doubt that they'd push it a lot harder if it comes out to be a slam dunk for Apple. If if Epic gets some wins there, that's a bit different. All right, let's get into our next story. Dragon Quest 35-year anniversary. Swinney, do you want to take over some of this stuff? Yeah, I'll just mention um, just some of the highlights that they announced. They announced a whole lot of stuff, including a lot of Japan-only titles, um, things like updates to their uh, Dragon Quest X, their MMO, and things like that that we're not going to kind of get into the weeds about. But the big stuff, so they announced, officially announced Dragon Quest Twelve: The Flames of Fate. So the next uh, main entry in the series. Uh, we have no idea what platform, yeah, <laughs> platforms nothing. it's going to be on. I have it's there's a very good case it will probably be on the Switch. Um, I don't think so. Uh, well, they've always released on Nintendo platforms in re- like the last even Dragon Quest Eleven mm. was on 3DS. So if you think there's no 3DS anymore, um, to me the Switch is a safe bet for that. Just personally. Um, but I think that, I don't know, they've been weird with the Dragon Quest series over the years. Um, the fact that they moved to handheld for a little bit and then back to main consoles and stuff as well. But yeah, so they only showed a logo, um, but they the game is confirmed to be running on the uh, Unreal Engine 5, which I believe went into, was it Alpha recently this week? Or something yeah, Early like Access, I think they called yeah, it. Early yeah, Early Access, yeah. Um, so that's, that's honestly, that's cool, but that's not probably the, the, the favorite news of the week. Um, well, just before we move on to that, like just the reason why I don't think it's going to be on the switch is because they're doing it in Unreal Engine 5. Like, actually, to me, that's, that's you, a good if, point. Actually, that's a good point. I didn't link that together. And, and just to be clear, like, so un, uh, like Epic who runs obviously Unreal Engine, they, they're extremely good at porting these things. Like they port it to like mobiles and everything. So they've already said that Unreal Engine 5 is going to work on the Switch. But for me, if you're using an engine that is like cutting edge, like Gears of War, the new Gears of War they're saying is going to be on Unreal Engine 5. I feel like they'd be targeting something that looks insane, like looks really, really good. And you can kind of see that from the teaser trailer. Like they're trying to go for a bit of a different look for the game. So fair point. I, I just feel like maybe it won't be. Maybe... Given how popular Dragon Quest Eleven was on PlayStation and then subsequently, you know, Xbox and everything, maybe they're like, hey, let's try to make a grown-up version of Dragon Quest. And there's plenty of other games, as we'll talk about, uh, that, are, you know, would appeal to the Switch audience, I think. Yeah, I just think the, the um, I guess, the the player base and the, the strength of the Switch in Japan specifically mm, at the true. moment is so ridiculous ridiculous that... Mm. Um, but look, sometimes Square goes with 
odd decisions for platforms. That's so true. That's true. Um, we'll see. But the to me, the coolest news was um, Dragon Quest Three is getting a remake, specifically a HD 2D remake in the vein of your Octopath Traveler and Project Triangle Strategy. This this looks awesome. <laughs> this looks so good. Yeah, it's unreal. Um, now we don't just like Dragon Quest Twelve. We don't know what consoles. Um, maybe you know, maybe this one is super for Switch. I don't know. No, it's got to be for the Switch for sure, given that Octopath and Project I'm, Triangle. I'm... Oh, as you've written it, Triang Triange. Oh, Triange Strategy. Um, <laughs> now this is uh, the people behind like Bravely Default Two were involved with this stuff as well. Um, and but like when you, when we talk about development teams in there, like. It's this. It's so confusing trying to look that stuff up because things change names. These internal yeah. Square Studios that get renamed. Like apparently, this has been developed by Team Asano, but that's not the name of who involved, <laughs> developed the Bravely Default Two. So there's a lot going on there. But it all I know is it looks cool. Um, I am I'm still a very much a newbie to the Dragon Quest series. As much as I love my RPGs, it's the one series that I've kind of never really. Um, spent too much time in uh, outside of Dragon Quest Day, a bit of Dragon Quest Eleven, and playing some of the originals on like their mobile ports and stuff. So I'm I'm keen to try this. Honestly, um, this style of gameplay is more appealing to me than Project Triangle Strategy. So mm. um, yeah, I'm keen to see how this plays out. I was gonna clip. I was gonna try to find the clip, but I think I said any game that Square Enix is gonna release in this style, this HD 2D style as they're calling it i will buy so i guess i have to buy this game and then i got very nervous so we haven't really spoken about the fact of how they presented this whole thing so they had like uh the dragon quest one of the the co-creators of dragon quest the whole series and then like a japanese model named joy present all of these things and it was really like oddball very japanese right Hmm. like whole bunch of stuff. They're like, look at this really exciting stuff. Oh, sorry, it's only for Japan. Sorry, everyone else who's not in Japan. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was very odd the way they did the whole thing together. And then they had one of the producers who, like, runs, you know, that component of Dragon Quest, who's, like, the person who calls them out, like, says, hey, you're, you're saying too much. You know too much. You're not meant to announce this stuff. And <clears throat> it's hard for me to know how much of this is staged or, you know, it is very Japanese. Maybe this is real. And they're literally trying to prevent people from saying too much. And he actually had a bell. You should actually listen to it. It's really funny, Mike. And they're talking about Dragon Quest 3. And they're going, oh, it's going so well. You know, we've already started working on Dragon Quest 1 and 2. And we want to do Dragon Quest 4. And then the guy's ringing the bell like crazy. Wow. (laughs) Surely, I mean, if the guy had a bloody bell with him, is that not staged? Or do you think it could still be legit and it was just a way... In case these guys are going to get out of control, I better take this with me kind of thing. I mean, it seems more common in Japan, doesn't it, Swinney, where you have creators who say too much. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and the companies that run them don't want them to say. They have, like, a structure of what Uh, they want them to say. And then they just, like, say too much. They just get excited about what they're trying to work on. So, uh. So I was pretty pumped about that. But then I was thinking also, Jesus, if they start (laughs) re-releasing all of the games... I'm going to get in trouble. Look, we've uh, we've said it before and other people said it. Just looking at this, you can't not think Final Fantasy VI when you look at this stuff. Mm. You're like, oh Thank my you. god, <laughs> a HD 2D Final Fantasy VI would just be almost like the perfect game. 
Yeah. I don't know. It's wild. It is wild. Yeah, like Final Fantasy VI, Mike, it's it is oh, it's still amazing. Like I think Super Metroid still holds up perfectly today. I you know, maybe Final Fantasy VI doesn't necessarily. I still love it to death, but in this style, oh my god, it'd just be that's the first game, Swinney, that I thought of. <laughs> I was just like, Jesus, can they re-release Final Fantasy VI in this style? Because it doesn't feel like they want to remake it. So this is the best way to remake it, surely. Yeah. Oh, it'd be so good. They've, I think, once they've, uh, I think they've probably got onto something that they're like, oh, this is so good now. We can do so much with this. Uh, we can make so much money from this. Um, and I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah. So we also had a couple of other announcements I just want to call out. So Dragon Quest Treasures is a Dragon Quest Eleven spin-off featuring uh, Eric and Mia as children. So Eric is one of your party members in Dragon Quest Eleven, um, and he's definitely not a child in that game. Um, and Mia is his, is his sister, but I'm not oh, far spoilers. enough. Well, they they're brother and sister in the trailer and everything. I know, so that's true. Um, the so I'm I'm not far enough in the story to know in how much of that is kind of teased in Dragon Quest Eleven, their their history and stuff. So that looks interesting. And something I just want to talk about, to me, is just such a weird thing. <laughs> so is Dragon Quest Ten, the MMO entry in the series, is getting a version called Dragon Quest Ten Offline. <laughs> so they're making a single-player adaptation of the series' MMO entry, which is just wild to me. Now, apparently, the map that's... He's going to be smaller and stuff because it's a single-player experience, but I can't think of any game that's ever really done this. Like, a lot of <laughs> MMOs will have content that's only designed for single players, but to have a version, especially years later, um, to say, we're now making a single-player version of this MMO we made, it's kind of, it's really, really bizarre. Because uh, it's the 10th year of Dragon Quest X, hmm. the MMO, and it's only ever been in Japan, Mike. Hmm. It's never come out to the West. And it's quite funny because Dragon Quest 8 and 9 were fairly popular for the first time in the West. And then they just, you know, they skipped it and then Dragon Quest 11 came out. And people aren't paying attention like, well, hang on, where's Dragon Quest 10? But, you know, I know it's an MMO, but I thought it wasn't, I thought it was mostly a singly player MMO. I don't think it's... It like takes full advantage of it. The fact that it is an MMO, from what I understand. Now, maybe I'm completely off base here. Yeah, I don't want to get into the the details on this one because honestly, I'm very ignorant of those details. Yeah. But just it's just a really, really just a bizarre thing to do in my head. So it is really weird. So Mike, it, it got originally released on the Wii, Dragon Quest Ten, the MMO, only in Japan, hmm. and then it kept on moving to other platforms. Like, and people just kept on moving their characters across to like PlayStation 4 and to Wii U and it's just it's such a weird one man it's it's switch so the switch has Dragon Quest 10 but it's only Japan that's weird <laughs> and they're up to season 6 <laughs> i don't know it's very strange i did love the energy from the guy who is the producer i think or director of Dragon Quest 10 the way he clapped it was like so energetic i loved it <laughs> So, would you pick up something like Dragon Quest X offline? Because we don't even know if it's going to be released in the West, by the way. Oh, I don't know. Look, honestly, I've got so much a backlog of Dragon Quest games in general anyway. Um, specifically, still need to really dive deep into Dragon Quest Eleven still. So You're probably going to get to Dragon Quest Three before. Probably. 
and and like the good, I was so happy that they did Dragon Quest three because the people who are really into Dragon Quest say that if you wanted to get back into the retro ones, Dragon Quest three is the one you'd want to play. So yeah, it's cool that they're doing that one. Cool. All right, all the Dragon Quest news that you want and more. <laughs> All right, uh, jumping into Nintendo's new high school esports partnership. So we had actually, Swinney, and I'd like, would have to really, oh, here you've got it. Oh. <laughs> uh, when would I ever doubt you, my man? So we had previously spoken about this. So Play Versus, which is like a, you know, in America, high school sports is massive. It's nothing like Australia, where they're only really the rich private schools have their own like little competitions internally like in the states collegiate and then also uh i can't remember what they call the high school uh system it's like really big if you're going to play via site they just say high school college okay high school college and so you know to the point where people you know in towns like the friday night game of football is massive like everyone goes and it's high school or varsity Um, might be the term yeah varsity maybe that's Ah, that's what that means okay yeah so you know, and play versus was like going, okay, we want to do Smash Brothers and Splatoon, and then Nintendo came across and said, nah, don't like offer these games. You can't. We're not going to allow you. We want to do our own thing. That's how they framed it. We wanted to do their own thing, and I think both Swinney and I said at the time, they're not going to do anything. Like they're not like organized in that way, and they don't think like that. And they don't care enough. So it was like, ah, oh, what a what a shitty thing to do. And then out of nowhere. Play Versus announced with Nintendo that they've totally done a backflip and they're going to allow them to use S- Smash, Splatoon and Super Mario Kart as an eSports high school co- competitive uh, games. Just, uh, just, uh, just to clarify, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, not Super Mario Kart. That, although Super, <laughs> Super hey, Mario I, Kart as an eSport? I would kill it. Cool. I would kill it, that dude. <laughs> Um, yeah, and that's to join other games like Rocket League, FIFA, Madden, League of Legends, and Smite. You know, I don't actually know what Smite is. Oh, like, it's a game that I've always known about, but don't care enough to actually look up really what it is. Uh, free, free to play. Yeah, it's already, it? I'm already dropping uh, off yeah. once I read no, that. Thanks. I think it's like uh, a MOBA or something. Or oh, action, MOBA. Action I, MOBA or something. Just cannot get into MOBAs. Um, so, Play versus Nintendo plan to provide Nintendo Switch systems to hundreds of schools, uh, with 3,000 qualifying schools receiving either Smash Brothers or Splatoon 2 and a 12-month Nintendo Switch Online membership. That 12-month Nintendo Switch Online <laughs> membership, man, they've got to, uh, you know, that, that's breaking the bank on that one. <laughs> I guess but, when you say 3,000 schools, that adds lot. up a bit. That yeah, it does, does, yeah. Does that up. But this, this yeah, is really cool. The amount of uh, marketing they can, they can get out of this, come on. It's it's an investment, surely. Now, so America is way different to Australia. Like, sure, they have the whole anti-game violence, all that kind of stuff. But could you imagine something like this launching in Australia? Oh, no, no way at all, man. Like, Why not? Just doesn't, we don't have that culture, as you said, of sports and schools that they do. Like, sports is Esports huge. Esports and schools, you mean, not actual sports. No, just sports. No, but, but sports. Sports, because this is very much like the whole lettering thing of people, like, joining teams and getting, like, credit for it. That stuff is, like, huge in America, especially hmm. when you hit the college system. Uh, in Australia, I mean, we have, like, sports is such a huge part of our culture, but not when you're talking schools. Because in America, like I only know because obviously I love Rocket League, but the uh, collegiate Rocket League, so the you know the colleges, universities, that's actually massive in America. 
So, like, people are, like, super competitive representing their university or college. And, and you know, it goes to their, like, actual official records at the college. Like, oh, you know, we were state champions in Rocket League in, at this college or whatever. It's kind of nuts, man. Like, I love that kind of stuff. I'd be so into that. Like, I'll, I'm super competitive and I'd be super <laughs> into that kind of shit. Um, I think this is a this is a huge step forward for esports in general. Mm. While I'm not, you know, we talked about esports. I know Mark's not a fan. I'm not. I like the idea of esports, but I'm not a fan of esports. If that makes sense, I think this is this is a huge step forward for it becoming, you know, much more of a mainstream, acceptable, competitive, um, I guess, competition, which I think is a great thing. But why are you both so anti esports? I'm not anti. I just said I'm not a fan. No, he's not anti. I don't watch it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, sure. not, I'm yeah. not anti either. I'm just not a fan either. I just don't watch it. Doesn't interest me. Watching might... people play games, I, I find it. Boring to be fair, neither of you like sports. <laughs> What's well, not just yeah? So first of all, neither of us are really big into sports, and secondly, I guess me more so than you, Swinny. I don't like watching other people play games. I want to play my own games. Yeah. I just don't get the fascination of just sitting there watching other people play for hours on end. Which is also why the whole Twitch thing is interesting to me because I tried looking on Twitch. I tried looking on Mixer and all that stuff. I get check, bored after check, like 30 check the seconds. the hot tub category. You Even that, I just get bored. I'm like, go go jerk off to some porn if you, you know, <laughs> so when that. Hey, so, it's got nothing. Hey, hey you are sexualizing yeah, these bullshit, women. it's got nothing then... with that. Please. <laughs> all right, we're going down a dark path. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> look, each to their own. I mean, if that's the thing you get off on and or you enjoy watching, watching eSports... Nothing wrong with that. It's I, I can totally see the appeal. Let's, horses let's not horses. let's not combine the hot tubs category switch with high school esports <laughs> and Rocket that's, League. That is I don't, I don't think slope. there's an age limit on the hot tub category, so they're already getting uh, themselves into well, no. no, on the category itself, I don't think there is. And I, well, that's because what thirteen Twitch, plus Twitch 13 is plus supposed to be thirteen plus, but really, come on, <laughs> right, how, many, how many people right. check for that? Swinny's so saying abort. Yeah, <laughs> abort, abort. We're, we're clipping this segment. Now let's for the go clips. back to the uh, the high school esports partnerships. <laughs> all right but i look like you know trying to bring it back play versus very very cool wish something like this could come to australia but we are very immature with games and being comfortable with playing people even playing games too much i have uh, i have to ask mario kart 8 deluxe does not <laughs> strike me as a game that would be well suited to competitive esports um just because, look, maybe that's maybe this stuff is you know is in Splatoon two, and I don't know about it. But just the amount of rubber banding and ha- like, it's it's great as a fun yeah. competitive multiplayer game, but it just seems like it's not the kind of game well, that's well suited to esports. Well, I think it's like po- it's like poker. You know, poker is is a game of skill. I think in the end, but there is an element of chance, and I think it's the same as this. It's still a game of skill in the end mm. but yes there's a huge element of chance and there's a huge element of of yeah like you said rubber banding where if you're ahead you're at a big disadvantage but i still think the skill involved in you know uh being able to avoid the blue shells and all that kind well, of this, stuff so. yeah or I, just on the poker thing like i remember i had you know a really good hand you know all chips in you know thought i was going to win easily and then you know, the guy I was playing against, bang, he had a blue shell card. I was yeah, out. I was waiting for yeah. it. <laughs> 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 happens with a blue shell card all the time, man. <laughs> you, could have, you could have 
three aces and <laughs> they pull out the blue shot you know what i mean it just seems like the wrong kind of game for that yeah because it's I, too much it's not I a competitive guess, game it's not yeah, a competitive game but i guess wow like, <laughs> isn't it <laughs> but i guess if nintendo looks at okay what's one of our what's the biggest selling game on the switch at this still at this point isn't it or is that animal Crossing? oh yeah, yeah yeah it won't it won't well, get um, yeah they're thinking okay we'll we never get over on not only is that you know obviously like it's the, the reach of that, but also they, I mean, they said that they might consider adding more titles to the competition if this goes well, but I'm thinking what other games do they have, you know? What I find um, weird about, because you can turn the items off Fortnite. in Mario Kart Deluxe, 8 Deluxe, but all yeah. the competitive rule sets say you should have items on, which is like kind of the contra- contrary to stuff like Smash Brothers, which by default has items on, but... All competitive rules that say turn it off. Like, that's Mario, what's the number one? Mario Kart will be boring without. Yeah, items, I think, I so. it, unless yeah. you're doing time trials. Like you know? No, I like it. I, I, you know, I'm a huge Mario Kart fan. I'll always be in the top two when I'm playing. Outside of, I'm like right at the end, and then someone gets a blue shell, and then I get smashed. That's why I normally stay in second position all the way to the end. Of the but race. see, that's that's part of the skill. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's yeah. about having the knowledge and the insight and the skill to try to stay in second and then right at the end, <laughs> know when to strategically pass and use the DRS and, and uh, yeah. I'm just, just imagining high-level play where people like constantly like slowing down to get ahead of yeah. each other. It's like back and forth. Back. I think no, it does happen a lot. Well, like, there's happen, a concertina. Yeah. A lot of people are really bunched up and everyone knows all the shortcuts, like but abuses the, sh- the hell out of the shortcuts. So yeah, it's quite interesting to watch. Um, yeah, like I said, look, looking forward to this. We should expand it in Australia, but it wouldn't be the right market for it. All right, let's get into my favorite segment. And it's a big one. The bargain being for the week commencing the 30th of May, 2021. There's a lot to get through. So Epic Game Store this week has Among Us for free until the 4th of Jan. They still have their mega sale and the $15 Australian vouchers to claim. Until Which, the let's not forget, it's perpetual so if you use it buy a game mm-hmm. you get another 15 dollar voucher and you can keep doing it yep uh and they're also saying it's a mystery game for next week and the last two games have been pretty big even though among us is not expensive i think we all already owned it but you know it's a pretty cool game uh nintendo switch so digital highlights so super mario uh, super mario super bomberman r online which is the different super bomberman game is a free at the moment a uh, 64 player battle royale game so that's available right now. I don't know if you've got that, Swinney. No, I didn't know it was free. Yeah, it's free. So you should grab it because you were saying that you wanted to play it. And yeah. you love Battle, battle Royale games. <laughs> oh, I'm a big Battle Royale fan. What can I say? Uh, Vigil, The Longest Night is 23.10 until the Good 6th game. of June. Bit Trip Series is $3 each until the 20th of June. And My Time at Porsche is eleven twenty five until seventeen June. PlayStation, so a lot of sh- a lot of stuff this week for PlayStation. PlayStation games, PlayStation Plus games for June. Operation Tango, so PS4 until the fifth of July. Star Wars Squadron, PS4 until the fifth of July. And Virtual Fighter Five Ultimate Showdown for the PS4 until the second of August. So they're not available right now, but they'll be available in the coming week. Virtual Fighter Five is really interesting, Sweeney. Just quickly. Yeah, I thought about putting in as a story, but then none of us are huge like in that series, so I didn't want to kind of do a disservice to it. But yeah, Virtual Fighter Five, essentially a massive remaster on a new engine on the Yakuza Six engine, so that's really really cool. And then released for free. It's like it was part of PS Plus. It's super fascinating. Yeah, I've some people in the community saying this is you know probably going to be the 
biggest that game's ever been, um, Virtual Fighter Five, because mm. the last version didn't sell too well. Um, I think it was Final Showdown, I think. So, um, yeah, that's that's great. It's I think some people are hoping for Virtual Fighter Six, but I think this is probably a good idea to get the series revive the series. Yeah, and there's some rumors about this previously, like some leaks and stuff. So, well, they announced Virtual Fighter Esports in a Sega mm. event a couple of months ago. So yeah, that we covered, I think. And as part of the, the Days of Play, which is going on worldwide at the moment for PlayStation, um, and all these prices are the cheapest these games have ever been, but, but first up, PlayStation Plus, if you haven't subscribed or you want to resubscribe, uh, wait to the 1st of June worldwide. They're going to have 25% off uh, directly on the PlayStation Store. Ex- like in Australia, we'd expect the same discount if you buy it locally at JB Hi-Fi, Amazon, EB Games. And mm-hmm. just a note... Target has thirty percent off for PlayStation Plus, so it's about fifty-five bucks. They do they do stack, uh, so you can get I think about three years worth. So normally it's a pretty good idea to buy maybe a couple, and then as the deals roll out over the years, because it's normally at least once a year they'll have twenty, thirty, forty percent off PlayStation Plus if you want to save some money. If you're Swinny, you just buy full retail price. That's fine because you're loaded. But and if you live (laughs) in Victoria. Tough luck because Target, I assume, is closed. Sure, and they but don't it, sell it online. So. It's only 5%. So, you know, PlayStation. No, store I know that, but I'm saying yeah. if you wanted to grab one from yeah. Target. And, and I would say, you know, if you are getting from Target, oh. probably get in first thing in the morning on 1st of June. It has popped up at a few places randomly already or for sale, but I'd jump in store on the first day because crazy people like Mike and I will, you know, do. We'll, we'll jump in and grab it. So, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Mike can't. Well, Mike can't because we haven't even mentioned the fact that you two are Ooh. in lockdown again. Yeah, we're in lockdown again. Bloody Victoria. For seven days, yeah. You are, well, at this stage. <laughs> at this stage. Uh, I think look, it's going to be more than that. You'll see. Uh, they like to lock you up, dude. Yeah, they do. They I, I think we're all good. Up. The last circuit breaker was fine, so... Anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't want to get into the politics of it. So, uh, just on some prices that they've been the cheapest that they've been so far... Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales Ultimate Edition is $88 on Amazon Australia. So that does include a remastered version of Spider-Man and all the DLC for Spider-Man. So, I mean, if you think of it that way, it's probably like $44 for each game. It's a pretty decent deal. Ghost of Tsushima is $38. So that's the cheapest it's ever been by far. And then, as I said at the start of the show, Cyberpunk 2077 is $34 on Xbox, PS4, and PC. So that's a GOG code. Finally, just the digital highlights. Amnesia Collections, $8.60 until the 3rd of June. Darksiders, the games slash collections is 80% off until the 10th of June. And all Red Faction games are 80% off until the 3rd of June. Over to you for Xbox, Winnie. Yeah, they announced some games of gold for June. Uh, not a bad little list, but not great. Um, so we've got the Kingsbird uh, Xbox One title. Available from 1st of June to 30th of June. We have Shadows Awakening, uh, which is an action RPG I quite like on Xbox One. Called, uh, available from 16th of June till the 15th of July. And the 360 games, we've got Neo Geo Battle Coliseum. Available 1st of June to 15th of June. And Injustice Gods Among Us, uh, available from the 16th of June to the 30th of June. And just a reminder, any 360 games that are games of gold are backwards compatible on later Xbox platforms. Oh, so there's like guaranteed. Yeah, that they always they're always backwards compatible. Oh, that's that's actually good to know. I didn't know that because uh, yeah, it kind of threw me last week when you were like, oh, there's a bunch of games that don't work 
from yeah. 360. So often um, in the past, they would get added to the backwards compatibility when they joined Games of Gold, but now because they're not adding them, they're just adding games that were already uh-huh. backwards compatible. Yeah, Injustice is pretty decent. So, but yeah. it's, it's it's always pretty average though. Games with gold. Yeah, um, Injustice Gods Among Us has been free um, in the past, but yeah, you can get it now free again. And have we missed Game Pass? I feel like we've missed some of the Game Pass announcements. Uh, not this week. There was a couple that yeah, weren't they very have? notable. So, oh, okay. I thought there was something on PC that uh, I don't, I heard of. the the shark one. No, um, we mentioned that last week. We did, we did too. Yeah. Sweeney's pretty comprehensive, so I trust him. That's true. No, we did, we did mention. I remember now. All right, um, sweet. Well, let's get into our final feature for the show and final wrap up of an ongoing segment: Dark Souls. So we are talking about Dark Souls this week. It's our final game of some other year for 2011 nominee, and originally released in September 2011, coming out on. The PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 at the same time, boys? Yep. Yep. And then later coming on lots of different consoles, PC, Switch, ups and downs in terms of the, <laughs> the remaster, or not remake, no, remaster, sorry. Um, but yeah, so you guys, like maybe just to give a bit of background, Swinny, you bought this day one, is that right? Yep, got it day one. And did you same play here. it straight away or? Yep, jump straight in. So... It's uh, it's been been a long time coming for us to talk about this in depth. So, and Mike, you bought it day Same. one. Did you play day one I, as well? I did. I believe I did. Yeah, I bought it day one, and I pretty pretty sure I played it uh, day one as well. Yeah, and also like, had you guys played Demons Souls? So I hadn't, but I thought Mike had. No, I actually hadn't. I went and played Demon Souls. I think after I played Dark Souls. Uh, I started playing Demon Souls, and then I think, if my memory serves me correct, I got Dark Souls, played it, loved it, and then I went back to Demon Souls. Well, that's what I meant. You pl- at least played Demon Souls. Yeah, I played. Yeah. I played like the very starting area, if you could call it that. Yeah. So I was I was kind of fresh to the series as well. I think it wasn't. I wasn't. You know, I, I hadn't played Demon Souls enough to really feel like I was into the series. Yet I only re- literally played that the car- the Bolotera Castle at the start, and that's it. And I put the game down on, on PlayStation. I, so I, when this came out on 360, it was kind of new. I just know that there was so so Demon Souls was just so revered by such a small audience of the of uh, the gaming community that, and then when you combine that with the buzz and the hype and the marketing from Bandai Namco of the whole mm. Prepare to Die thing, man, this game blew up. And it was a bit of a reaction to the times, right? Because I was sort of getting out of games at this time. You know, I remember saying to you, Sweeney, lots about just, oh, games are too easy. There's no <laughs> consequences for death. It's no choices, which I think is fair criticism of most of the AAA games that were coming out at the time. Still. Yeah, Still is, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I say that with like Uncharted. It's sort of like you just could just run up against everything in that game and it's like fine. Um, but this game, wow. Okay. This is pretty different. Yeah, it it gave people what I think was missing from that level. You know, that I don't know if you'd call this game a triple A release at the time. Obviously the series has turned into a triple A series now, but the there was a hole in the in the gaming market for you know this level of release and the Soul series kind of kicked off a bit of a mini revolution around mm. games that are willing to punish players and be more challenging than 
your Assassin's Creeds and as you said your Uncharted's and stuff games that essentially have no no real um yes penalty for death and stuff you know or failure. yeah whereas this one really did but I think it's it's and this is a core part of the series it's the challenge that gives you the satisfaction in the mm. game the fact that overcoming and learning the tactics and being able to survive really tough encounters and finally defeat a boss that he got stuck on for couple of hours or whatever it is because your strategy was shit or you didn't have the right gear or whatever it's it's i don't i i think very few games have been as satisfying as this game as a result of how difficult it is so intergot um i guess we didn't cover um your experience with what you've played this on and when yeah yeah so for me i remember talking to you about this at the time and you're like you gotta play it. You gotta play this Dark Souls game. This is like ten years ago. You gotta play this Dark Souls game. It's like sort of saying everything that you hate about games. It's the opposite of it. It's like, you know, addressing everything. I'm like, yeah, 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 sure, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um and man, I'm so glad we did this segment. This game is so good. It, I, like I love this game so much. You know, I, I was chatting to you guys sort of offline. I did I haven't mentioned it on the podcast as well that I have beaten this game. So like and when I say that I've been you know, defeated the final boss. Uh, haven't gone through every single component of the DLC or sort of the side components of it. And we'll get into how the game's structured and, you know, the branching paths and choices you can make and everything like that, I'm sure, at some stage. But, yeah, so I only played this game recently. So it's pretty much exclusively on the PlayStation 5, actually, the PS4 version of it. So the uh, remastered version with all the DLC and everything. And, yeah, this game... It like I think like the obsession about saying this game's hard, it's more just like the game is very consequential. Like you do things and there are consequences. So that's all the way from NPCs to just, you know, your tactics. If you don't try to learn how to parry and techniques in the game that they do try to make it clear you need to know, you just screw yourself in the long run. Like if I look at um you know, even the the final boss of the game. And, you know, I don't want to do spoilers or anything like that too much. I, but... th- I think we're, just to, to get ahead of it, there are there are going to be some minor spoilers in this yeah. segment. So because we yeah, like, there's some stuff we have to talk about. Yeah, so. definitely. And look, like I, I think it's more structured. Like I'm not specifically trying to spoil anything in the game unnecessarily, but there will be things that we talk about that obviously are spoilers. But you know, like if you look at the final boss, if you don't know how to parry, that's actually one of the most difficult bosses to beat. If you know how to parry, it's like a joke almost. Mm. Like it's it's almost too easy of a boss, but I feel like that's kind of part of the point. Um, yeah, like I love this game. Like you know, we'll chat about it at length, but you know, honestly, this game's probably already in maybe like my. It's definitely in my top twenty. It might already be in my top ten games. It's just so good. It's like I've, I've had that one run through, and then like I said to you guys. I beat the game and I just was like, oh, sitting back and, you know, Miyazaki, he talks about, he wants the game to feel like an accomplishment and like, that's the style of game. It's not that it's hard. It's just, you've, you've done something to get through the game and you've accomplished something and you do it your way, whatever that means. Like, and there's lots of options in this game. And that's honestly what I felt. And I was just sitting there going, oh, like, I'm so glad I bloody got through this game. I didn't know if I'd be able to beat it. And then I'm sitting there, sitting there and the credits roll and then, the game starts up again. I'm like, what the hell? So I'm like, all right, I'll start playing in New Game Plus. 
And then I got all the way to ring the first bell again. <laughs> and I'm like, I got to stop because I'm going to just start like it's a full addictive. second playthrough. It's yeah. Really addictive. It's, yeah. The, it's the kind of game that lingers with you. And because mm. when I first played it through, um, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was like in my top 10 when I first played it through. But then, you know, when I did a couple more playthroughs over the years and I've, you know, beaten it, you know, recently late last year again a couple of times, it's like, it just lingers with you, and I think it, you, your appreciation for it just grows and grows, even mm. when you're not playing it. It's such a weird game in that sense, the yeah. experience, where I think it slowly becomes a lot of people's favorite game just from having gone through the experience over time. It's weird. It's weird. And it's like a virus, it just spreads, <laughs> yeah. and you, you can't control it. You can't help yourself. <laughs> well, it's it's like any good art where it, like to me, this is just my perspective that it doesn't it's not heavy handed in it in what it's trying to say and really great art allows for possibilities of your own, your own interpretation of what things mean and why and everything and i feel like almost like swinny and i disagree with some parts like you know i know and i understand where swinny's coming from he's sort of like oh do this side part or do this or and i'm like i just didn't like when I was playing through the first time, and as I said, I didn't do all the DLC. I did some of it. I didn't go back to all the areas. I didn't do all the areas I could do, mm. but it made sense for my playthrough and what I wanted from the game and what I was enjoying from the game, if that makes sense. And I feel like partly that is the point of the game. It's sort of meant to be experienced in the way you want to experience yeah, it. Of it's course, why yeah. it doesn't. Doesn't you can kind of almost you. cheese the game in a lot of ways. Like, and that's why I always hesitate to say it's a hard game. Like. The game is also kind of as hard as you want to make it. Yeah, but it's also, you can cheese it, but it's interesting because the way it's designed, even cheesing has limits. So, you know, one one strategy that Swinney and I use is we, we upgrade the Uchi Katana to 15 early on, and it makes huge parts of the game a breeze. But you still come across certain bosses that are practically immune to it. Yeah, not not quite immune, but it just it makes your life really really difficult. So it's balanced in such a way that it allows you to experiment and try different things, but at the same time, you can't just pick one thing and hope and, and think that you're just going to be able to breeze through the whole game because you found the secret to the game. Something like that. It's really well balanced, I think, in that Look, sense. I guess just in terms of difficulty, they they put they give you a lot of paths to get through um and some of it you know some people may agree with some people don't but you know there's lots of weapons you can get early on that make the the early parts of the game pretty um pretty easy honestly um Mm -hmm. like Like the drake sword the drake sword but also the drake sword i love the drake but also the plus five lightning spear that you get in sense fortress you know you can essentially get through the middle part of the game and analondo and all that with that spear if you upgrade a little bit Mm. um they kind of hand that stuff to you on a platter and then they've got the ability for players that struggle against the bosses you know you can summon um and that stuff is embedded to make it so that the people being summoned also, you know, get something out of it. But there's this really great sense of camaraderie and, you know, as Celeste says, jolly cooperation. <laughs> and it kind of helps to ease the, you know, if people are having difficulty, there's ways to do it. Um, yeah. And the thing is, this game is a tough game. And for some people, this game is going to be too difficult. But yeah. The you know there's there's a couple of points you know we talk about Smell and Steam fight 
that's probably the biggest barrier for most people in the game um, or like the arches leading up to them as well. There's, there's parts that are really <laughs> tough and unfair. Those arches. But, but you know what's we talk, weird? Uh, just wait, as, as yeah. we talk about the sense of accomplishment when you get past it is kind of like invaluable or it's like you can't, it's indescribable. It's like, oh man, I finally been at Spell Ornstein by myself or whatever. Mm. And it's like, oh my God, like the relief that you feel <laughs> is just so fantastic. Because just, just before you jump in, Mike, like two yeah. quick, two, like really quick point on that. Honestly, there's probably only two games where like I got so into them that I was going nuts when I achieved something in it, which is Trials HD, which is the 360 live arcade release. Yeah. That, you know, myself and a friend of the show, Joe Jives, who's infinitely better at video games, you know, beat Battletoads in a weekend when he was like 10 years old, uh, <laughs> only three tries. And <laughs> like, you know, we were competing and going back and forth and he beat me in the end with it all. But like, we were going crazy. We were like top 50 in the world on like things that had like a million people competing in it. Right. So I was like super into that. And when, when I got something in that game, I was like, yeah. Um, and the other one is like Rocket League, where I was like heading up to champion rank and just, you know, sometimes you score a goal and you've like planned it out and you're just like, fuck yeah, that was so good. And this is actually the third game that made me like, you know, when I've defeated certain bosses or did something in the game, I was like, fuck, thank God I got yeah, through this past it, you know, because <laughs> it just, it, it doesn't, it feels earned, you know, and that's you can, exactly, yeah, that's you what play I was it in your you way, it. but yeah. you earn it, you know what I mean? You're no, you like, do, you earn okay, it, yeah. I've done this, you know, good. Yeah. And like, in fact, it felt bad when I was summoning in certain bosses because it I lost the satisfaction of, of you know, feeling like you actually earned that achievement. But see, I love that about the bad. game as well. And I, and I <laughs> totally agree with where Swinney's coming from. There's plenty of stuff in the game to make it more possible to get through things, yeah, right? Yeah. And they don't necessarily punish you for doing it. No. Whereas but some it, games, I think they're, they're very opinionated on like, oh, you've done this, so you can't get a special thing or whatever it is. Hmm. They don't really punish you for that, which I really like. Yeah, this one doesn't, but it also gives you the choice. If you want to do it the hard way, go do it the hard way. That's perfectly fine. If you want to summon and get a bit of help. And by the way, it's not like it makes it easy. It doesn't, because if I remember correctly, the boss's health go up. And yes, it's it's easier. I think everyone would agree to play co-op on certain bosses. But it's not like it makes it super easy. It's nothing like that. You can still get yeah. completely smashed. Well, also, they, but, they make it so, you know, you have to be in human form to be able to summon, yeah. which means if you're playing online, which honestly, is the, I do, I know, I know Indigot's position didn't, didn't allow for it, but uh, I would really recommend to play online because it gives you another, I guess, um, dimension to the game. Or it is. That's the word it's... I was thinking of, but you, it makes you susceptible to invasions. So you, there is <laughs> there is some risk reward there. Um, yep. If you're playing in human form, then you can get invaded. And that's, that's a whole other thing that we won't get into, but it's just, yeah, I think the way that they balance those different parts to, through the game is just really, really well made. And oh, even oh. when you summon like an NPC, the NPC can die on the way to getting to the boss anyway. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's kind of funny the way it's all structured. Um, I, but look, for me personally, dark, I didn't yeah. summon anything. But that again, I feel like the game allows you to play by the rules that you set yourself. So for me, it was you like, no, hard mode. <laughs> I want to play it. I want to beat the whole thing. I kind of played it half blind, half not blind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because I didn't want to get stuck because I wanted to get through the game. And then I thought, oh, you know what? I'll play this game again later. And just do all the bits that I haven't done, but 
it's really cool and really satisfying like just playing by whatever rules you want to play that game i, I was just going to quickly say um uh, earlier on is those arches I'm, i don't want to spoil <laughs> what or where but i remember the first time i played it oh my god you son of a dude the number of times that they screwed you over and then when i played it recently I, in between i you know i got past that part a number of times but when i played it recently i just breezed past them first go and i'm like oh it's, I can't believe how hard this used to be. It's, it's, <laughs> now it's so easy. It's funny to me because the first time I ever played Dark Souls, I got past them really easily. And then on New Game Plus, I got stuck for ages. <laughs> and I'm like, and that's, it made me really love that section. It's mm. honestly, in a lot of games, you would say the Archer section is a horrible piece of design. But in Dark it's Souls, brilliant. it's like this really memorable encounter that nearly uh, i'd say 70 percent of people are probably going to struggle with from the first you know few attempts on it yeah. but once you know the trick it's like oh yes the archer section let's see everyone do this trick again you know um it's so, really cool that brings me to unless you guys want to cover something else to the level design so yeah number one number one holistically the level design is incredible because it's one big world that is interconnected there to, are to parts, a degree. To, a, to degree. a degree. There are parts where you teleport and stuff. Um, but to, to a large degree, a lot of the the world is interconnected. Um, and it's a single big chunk that's seamless. Again, other, you know, there's a few parts where you teleport and stuff. But um, the, the big holistic world um, is actually interconnected. And it's quite incredible from a, from a design perspective. When you're going through the level and you go and you keep fighting and and you go through this cavern and all of a sudden you come out and you're like hang on a minute this just connected to this part at the start oh my god this is incredible um and then you're like trying to kind of visualize it in your head and make a little map in 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 your brain so i I thought that from a world and level design perspective was incredible and of course where the enemies are placed is brilliant there's so many parts where you're like you sneaky bastards like where the developers perfectly put an enemy just to screw you up it's it's brilliant and if you don't know it's there and you don't see it coming there's so many times when when if you do a complete blind playthrough it's just perfect where where things are put just to screw you over can, yeah. can i just add to that bit because you know when i you know you guys were blind when you played it you were truly blind like, yeah you know the game came out yeah. without which is crazy no wikis nothing yeah, yeah whereas i could just go on youtube and google anything oh how do yeah. i get through in this in blight town or whatever but you know, I didn't know almost anything about the game, and I played a little bit of Demon Souls beforehand, which is very structured around, you know, you go into the central hub and you go off to the offshoot worlds yeah. through the gates. So I kind of had that in my head. And then when I was playing Dark Souls, you know, you get through the start and then you get into like the main crux of the world. And I was playing it, playing it, okay, go through. And then when it looped back, I was like, what the fuck? I was like, Jesus, this whole fucking thing is connected. These pricks. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, this is super cool. And it's not all of it, like, you know, not not really to criticize the game. Like, there's bits that feel very, like, you know, it's kind of a like offshoots. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it's, it's like, definitely offshoots. Here's yeah. the gateway to this bit, and then it's like this whole world that's separate. But, man, it's, it's like so the cool. The bits world. that are really connected. It's super cool. It's so yeah, sick. But well, most it. of it, it most of it is is completely interconnected. I mean, from Sense Fortress when you get teleported and stuff, it isn't, I guess. But um, but the the vast would you say the vast majority, Sweeney? Or like 
70% of the world feels interconnected. A, a lot of it is, and a big part is, is not just what you play, but also what you can see. So, And a mm. lot of this you don't notice the first playthrough, um, mm. unless you're just staring or looking for it, is that you can, for instance, the Violet Shrine, you can look down and see areas that you're going to get to. And sure, they're... Yeah, yeah. they're like a new Londo and stuff. Yeah, yeah obviously they're very... Um, they're like very basic representations of them, but you can look up and you can see stuff, you know. Um, it's just being able to see locations from other locations is a trait that they, you know, they brought across to the other game in this series. And it just, it makes everything feel, as you said, connected even outside mm. of these cool shortcuts. But there's, look, there's, if anyone's, you know, that's played through Dark Souls and is really keen, uh, there's some great videos out there. So, of people dissecting the world design. So you've got Game Maker's Toolkit. It's done a great video on it as part of the Boss Key series. Um, can I just can I just got- say about that? Because one thing that... And it sounds so dopey because I love that channel. I think anyone who loves gaming loves that channel. One of the greatest things about finishing a game like this is all these videos... Because I'm very anti-spoiler, like so anti-spoiler. I would not listen to this our commentary about this game unless I'd played the game, right? Hmm. And it was so cool for me to go, oh, now I can watch all these videos. Like, you know, <laughs> the Game Maker Toolkit on like what he's saying about the world design and everything. Yeah. Like, I just, it was like Moorish. I was watching so much <laughs> about Dark Souls after finally beating it. And Illusory Wall has done really great videos on the world of Dark Souls where they actually take 3D software and put the maps in them and actually connect them all up. And it's just great. And it set a standard for the series that honestly, it's struggled to reach since. But kind of they've done it on purpose um but i won't get too much on that because i don't want to spoil the eventual experience for indigot um but to me like with dark souls 2 and 3 dark souls 2 and 3 they take a more bit so of a... 2 right uh, no, uh, two I feel is is more interconnected. I, I feel like three is yeah. More I don't want to like get into. I don't want to. Spo- I don't want to. Ex- yeah. I don't want to spoil it. So okay. it's yeah. just it, they've taken a different approach. And okay. yeah, just it's you not know, bad. By the way, it's nothing bad. It's just a different approach. But yeah. okay. to me, the biggest testament to this the game's world and level design is that like, and this wasn't after you know this this is after the only like maybe two playthroughs. Like I can essentially map the whole game out in my head. It's nuts, isn't it? And yeah. I've beaten Dark Souls 2 probably about six times. I've beaten Dark Souls 3 probably about three times. Like, when I'm saying three times, I'm saying, like, new new game plus, whatever, yeah. right? And so I, can't say, I can't say the same about them that I could sit there and if someone asked me to, like, start drawing out a map or start picturing it in my head, I couldn't map the whole game out, whereas I pretty much can in Dark Souls. And that is such a testament to this world's design. Hmm. Well, it's just, like, the graphics of the game and, you know how things are presented in the game. It's so amazing to me. Like, when I finally got up to An Orlando... That's right, yeah? An Orlando. An Orlando. An Orlando. I'm thinking Why of uh, the Formula One driver. Lando a... Norris. Um, yes, we can now we can now share the An Orlando song. Top to bottom. I was just like, oh my God. Like, what the hell is this game? Like, just the art design, it, everything was so different. It's so distinct. And mm. I think even though... You know, I guess if you're just watching like a, a speed run, like we've got as B-roll, it kind of, you know, you could argue it looks all the same, but something about the music and how everything's presented, it feels all very distinct. From a technical standpoint, the graphics are probably the game's weakest area, but it really has its moments. And as you said, the art design is, is trumps the technical like limitations of, you know, even when mm. the game came out, it didn't look amazing. 
but it looked memorable. It made you, it, you like this. I love this world. I love the way it looks. Doesn't matter if it hasn't got you know millions of polygons or whatever you know in the yeah. character models, and their lips don't move when they talk, and you know things like that. So, yeah, but, um, no, it's, it's just like, and you know. I guess going on the builds, it's quite funny because it was like a religious war with you guys. Because obviously you guys are so familiar with the series. <coughs> and I was constantly asking, you know, oh, how should I build the character? What should I? And, you know, you're like, I'll oh, do this or do that or have summons <laughs> or have that. And I was like, oh, I kind of just went with, you know, my style is just, I want to whack people. So, yeah. <laughs> and look, I, I did learn that I have to parry, I have to block in this game. So I kind of balanced those two things out a little bit. But what did I do? I just went crazy on endurance. Like I was maxing out endurance like insane amount. Until I wanted to get a certain halberd. I was like a halberd main. And then, you know, I found one that was even more powerful. I'm like, oh, God. And then I was like, oh, okay. I guess I'll have to like do something different to like boost up some of the stats. But... I haven't even gone into sorcery or anything in this game. Oh, so so it's that's the thing about it. It's, it's worth. So when I played it again on the Switch, um, I did a sorcery build because I had never played a full sorcery build. Yeah. The very, very first time I played the game, I did a hybrid build. And it's interesting because the game, it's it's weird. I can't even like exactly define it. In a way, it penalizes you for spreading yourself too thin. And in a way, it can yeah. help. It's really weird. Like overall, I would I would recommend you don't spread yourself too thin. Especially, do not spread yourself thin in terms of doing sorcery as well as um, doing um, like a faith build as well as doing that. Yeah, will yeah. probably screw you over. Uh, absolutely, I don't think there's any benefit to spreading <laughs> not at all. There's a few weapons <laughs> that, that makes... will that will need some pretty high requirements for both strength and dex. Yeah. but and That's and there's some it, weapons yeah. that need like high faith as well, but. The thing is with this game is that this is the kind of game we're playing with a wiki, a, the Wikipedia or the Dark Souls wiki or whatever, is can actually be beneficial when you're talking about okay, I want to have a certain build. I want where's the, where's the weapons that are going to take advantage of this. I don't think it takes away from it. Now, obviously, people want to pl- have the experience blind completely. Then, yeah, then that's great. But it's, I, a, it's a fine line between <laughs> using the wiki too much. I reckon. No, but the thing is, the way this game is, you know, there's items that you can you can only get once. You know, if you miss it, you can't get it yeah, again. Yeah, of course. There there's there's of that, items yeah. that if you if you upgrade the wrong stuff, you can't upgrade the other items. Like there's limited Twinkling Titanite. You know, there's there's limited stuff upgrade materials so oh yeah totally but i think the very first time you play this game i i still think you benefit from going as blind as possible because it's part of the experience oh yeah not knowing what to do where to go you can screw yourself up the only thing i would say if you do play it completely blind and you haven't played this game yet is don't spread yourself too thin across everything no not at all pick pick a type of build you know go strength go dex go sorcery stick to that sort of archetype and and that will make your life a bit more bearable <laughs> yeah but uh yeah i just yeah just wanted to because you said oh there's some benefits spreading yourself in. that's why i just wanted to say i don't think there's any much benefit no it's not yourself spreading yourself completely thin probably no benefits cool. but but being in a position where you're kind of a bit of a hybrid can help because um, i find for example in my last playthrough where i had the the uchi there were a couple of bosses and fights that became a little harder because those enemies were imp- imp- impervious 
uh, to slash attacks. So the Uchi wasn't particularly as useful against them. So for example, Knight Artorius um, in the DLC is really difficult with just the Uchi. So I'm mm. having to... Whereas when I played him with, with my... Um, on, on the Switch, when I was a sorcery build, it was a piece of cake. It was like, wow, this is a, this is like what the hardest bosses in the game. This is ridiculously easy. Mm. So it's it's interesting how it balances itself well, out let, like that. Let, maybe maybe we can just talk about bosses a little bit then if we're talking about bosses. Sure. So yeah. the bosses are a huge part of the Dark Souls series. Um, I would actually argue that Dark Souls 1 probably has the weakest overall group of bosses um, simply because there's a lot of bosses that are very average and some of them are very badly designed like your Capra Demon and stuff like that but they and they really hit their stride after this game but the DLC bosses is where you can look at the template for where the series went with them uh, moving forward but the to me the standouts you got your, your great Grey Wolf Sif fight you know very memorable Gwyn, Smell Ornstein to me they were really, really great, memorable fights. But when you start to break down a lot of the other bosses, there's some that you're like, yeah, especially with forward knowledge of what where they go with the, the series in the future, including Bloodborne and stuff. Mm. Um, so, but obviously, yeah, like if you, yeah, like if you struggle with anything, you're going to struggle with the bosses, honestly. So, so I like I kind of, I definitely hit barriers with the bosses, but. For whatever reason, I don't feel like the bosses were really the biggest hurdle necessarily for me. And I felt like, for the most part, it was fairly like, you know, the strategy for the bosses to beat the bosses was, I don't know, not that deep. But the bosses were really cool. Hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, I love the designs and everything. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking more about, okay, how the fight plays out and stuff. Yeah, yeah but that's what I mean. I feel like a lot of the bosses to me were, you know jump, roll, dodge, you know, when they try to strike, hit them a few times, get the endurance back, repeat. Yeah, it's honestly, that's the way it's going to be for all generally the series. But oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like there's a few, there's a few that are very different and there's one that we'll talk about very soon that's very different. But okay. um, the, but it's how, when I, it's more like the mechanics and their attack patterns and I guess the environment that they're in. Um, like the series really it gets crazy with its bosses, but the strategy is still going to be very similar between them. So. Cause just on the Capra demon and also, I don't know if you're about to talk about a bit Ornstein and Smo, like those two fights. The reason why, like the one thing about dark souls is I feel like whenever you can go one-on-one, you, you're always like, it's more just like, are you in the flow of the game to beat the enemy, right? Mm. Where the game, to me, becomes really, really difficult is when multiple enemies are attacking you. And even like basic enemies, if if you get kind of like stuck and stun locked, like you can get killed by like the most basic enemies in this game. Mm. Yep. And I felt like with the Capra Demon, the whole point of that fight was just, how do I kill these damn dogs? Once I got through the dogs, like I was able to beat it pretty comfortably. And then, yeah, Ornstein and Smo was like, how can I separate them, keep an eye on both of them, <coughs> kill one of them, and then, like, you know, isolate? Because once I got to, like, just the one by itself, I 
almost beat it the first time and then I beat it the next time. It's actually funny with the Capra Demon. I, I sent Mike a clip, but I didn't want to spoil anything for you at the time. For the first time ever in my last playthrough, I cheesed the boss by the infamous <laughs> way of standing outside the boss door, yeah. aiming up and chucking dung pies oh, over, I've about this, over yeah. the door till it gets turned toxic. And then you kill, him, <laughs> you kill him without even jumping in. And I just wanted to experience that one time of chucking 30 dung pies at the Capra Demon over the door. Capra Demon, I feel, is is the first real gate in that game. Don't you reckon? It's To me, I remember it was the first far out. This, this, this boss is a pain. A real pain for people. And the funny thing is the Capra Demon's completely optional as well. If you, if I know, <laughs> but it still feels like, oh, you got to do this bit and yeah. Uh, I, I think, like, um, is it the Taurus Demon? Yeah, Taurus on the bridge, yeah. yeah. I think Taurus Demon's the first, and I think... the first one? Yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone's <laughs> different, right? Everyone's different. Cause, it like, is, it is, yeah, and it depends. I think the Taurus yeah. is the first one. It's... The Capra Demon, I think it was just, like, luck. I think I beat it in the first or second go. But the Capra Demon is just more... more... Well, the second go, that's pretty good. It's just because it's such a confined space, and you got those stupid dogs, and it's yeah. fast, and it... Like I said, I think I think it was a bit wild. of luck. I think it was a bit of luck. Like I was able to get rid of the dogs really quickly, and then I just you know had a few good hits on the Capra mm. Demon. Uh, but I think really the Ornstein and Smo fight to me, it's like you know when I got through that, it was pretty much level from that point for me personally. Um, but I could imagine people giving up on that fight. Like mm. that fight was frustrating to me. I was like, fuck. When it I got is, through that, I was like pretty to- happy. Because because you do get different items depending on who you kill first. Yeah, correct. Spoiler. Yeah. And I think the first time I didn't really care because I just played it not knowing anything like that. And then the second time I played the game, by which stage it was out for a while, and I read the wiki about it and stuff. And I'm like, oh, what? You can get this other thing for it? Are you kidding me? This looks so much better. And then I was sitting there trying to get that thing. And I, found, I think it was harder trying to get, which is Ornstein stuff, I found. Um, yeah, it was easier, okay. I think, to get Smo stuff. Um but with with the Taurus demon, it was quite funny because in my it, I did a really quick start of the game, um, and uh, I played as um, as a um, as a sorcerer, and I, I got to the Taurus demon and I realized I had used up all my magic by the time I got to him. <laughs> so all I had was a dagger, a dagger with a sorcerer, dude. It took me it took me like um, I'm gonna probably exaggerate here, but at least ten minutes to beat that boss. <laughs> He didn't hit me once, but I just sit there chipping away. It was dealing like almost no damage at all to this guy. And it took ages just sitting there under him, like trying to basically chop his balls off with a dagger. <laughs> this is the Taurus Demon, yeah? This is the Taurus Demon, so, yeah, because it's so useless, that weapon the funny, at the start. The funny part <laughs> is if you position yourself right, you can get the Taurus Demon to jump off and kill himself. Oh, it's I should have really just done funny. that. I didn't so, realize I was sitting there for 10 minutes with a bloody dagger. <laughs> so I just quickly just want to mention the story a bit um, and the lore of this game. Um, the lore behind Dark Souls is one of the, the game's biggest hidden treasures um, because when you play through this game, like, I have no idea what's going on. They do not spell anything out for you. Everything's told through some very fractured NPC uh, conversations. You know, there's an intro at the start, but but whatever, like when you're playing the game, the Mm. majority of the lore is told through the item descriptions. Mm. And when you start diving into like community, like messiahs, like Epic Name Bro and Varty Vidya, like their Mm. videos, especially Varty's, where he breaks down the characters and the stories, 
and help you start to piece together this world and history, it's a template that a lot of games have now copied. So we talk about Souls-likes mm. and the fact that this this game together with Dark Souls kind of started a bit of a action RPG subgenre. And But it's not just the gameplay that a lot of these games have taken, it's the approach to the minimalist narrative design where they're telling this story but bits and pieces... And they're not saying anything up to you in front. Like, outside of some tr- certain transitions and maybe the ending and maybe some boss introductions, there's really no cutscenes in Dark Souls. They're not telling you the story. Yeah. You're experiencing it. And it's very possible you won't experience any of it until you kind of start looking a bit deeper. And but when there is there's such a world and the, the sequels, you know, expand on this in some ways and some ways they tell their own stories. But yeah. I just wanted to... Just, put a call out for how they handle the the narrative in this game and the lore. And, and it's, it's also, really it's off. not heavy-handed at all. It's like, I missed a whole bunch of it, mm. but what I saw was really, really cool and really interesting. And, you know, again, like, so much of this game is about giving the player choice in how far they want to go and how deep they want to go and how they want to interpret things as well, which, which I really loved. And even, like, the way it ends, like, I thought was interesting and understanding what the choices are and what you can do with the ending is quite funny. Um, so, but, yeah, no, it's an amazing game. So Choices are really... Yeah. No, I, I was just going to say that... So, we've talked a lot of great stuff about Dark Souls. I want to talk Don't about... Don't you dare. Don't you dare. I want to talk about <laughs> some of the bad... Okay, fine. And, All right, and we've wrapped up because <laughs> there's nothing bad. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> as we, as has I've made it known, this is one of my favorite games of all time. Mm. But Dark Souls is way far from a perfect game. It has two yeah, prominent okay. examples of some of the worst video game design I've ever Ooh, seen in a modern okay. video game. Okay, hit, hit me with it. Which and these are not going to be a surprise to most people that have played through the game. First of all, Lost Isolith. So the area that's essentially the the chaos area in the game, the Witch of Isolith, the lava Mm -hmm. area, Mm -hmm. is well known to essentially be unfinished. Um, Not what they originally designed and rushed. Yeah, it felt felt a little bit like that, yeah. Uh, The whole area, there's areas where you can stand, like the entry to the boss, you can stand and see that they're missing entire textures from areas. Yeah. The the way and the fact that if you if you don't take the top path through Lost Isolate, having to go through the lava area with the weird half demon uh, the half like dinosaurs and missing their heads, it's a pro- easily the worst designed area in any Souls game outside of some of the Dark Souls two DLC. Mm. But the other worst pro- uh, example of video game design is the Bed of Chaos boss fight. So the Bed of Chaos is pretty much regarded almost unanimously as the worst boss in the Soul series. Really? Um, Yeah, it's easily considered, like, check any list and it's going to be, if not number one, it's going to be number two in pretty much everything. Yeah, and just simply because it's a boss site boss fight so bad that there's progression in it where if you die it will retain <laughs> the fact that you've destroyed parts of it so what i really want to call out is the fact that this game is amazing that it's it's so good despite those to me those bad design choices and 
it's like I still enjoy playing through those areas because I enjoy the lore. Like the Witch of Isolith and the Better Chaos, like the lore behind that boss is super interesting. It's just unfortunately the boss fight itself is absolute trash. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, the I, Better I, Chaos one, I don't know if this is what you're referring to, but I did think that was the worst boss. I think I to- said to you guys at the start, or like when I was playing through it, yeah. it, it just felt like just total bullshit, that boss. Yeah. Where... <laughs> Like, there's nothing I could do, and it would sometimes just, like, hit me, and I'd be flying into the gaps that it would yep. create. Yeah. The other one is, um, uh, and it was an optional boss, uh, it's the, la, 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 which one was it? It's the one that's in the water, and it's, like, the Hydra. The Hydra, yeah. Oh, the Hydra, yeah. yeah. So, They're I'm, like, easy. bashing them, and I'm, like, oh, yeah, cool, cool. And I was getting closer to them, and then it was, like, woo! I just fell into the water. I was like, <laughs> yeah, but come on. That's, that's just that's there's, clever, though. I but dude, that. I couldn't tell. Like, maybe it was my brightness settings or something. No, it's like probably that. brightness settings. It looked, you can like, tell. I couldn't tell anything was different. I, like, with what I was walking tell, I agree. That's brilliant. I agree. There's examples of really bad game design in Dark Souls. But I don't think that's bad game design. I think that's brilliant. The fact that it fucks ah, you up like that. I, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was I, really good. I would agree. Because you do it once and you're like, oh, I see. There's an edge there. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, but like, no, I don't know. No, I think that's I think that's I, I would agree that the Hydra well, is isn't, isn't a well designed. Yeah, but come on. I don't think the boss itself is like a bit dodgy. But I think the fact that there's a giant Hydra sticking its heads out of the water. Do you not think that maybe that water is a little deeper than where you're standing right now? Like it's fair enough that it kind of doesn't gradually go down. Yeah, but there's just no water in the world. No water in the world has like <laughs> no difference between surface no, level <laughs> and then thousands of meters down. No, but I think that's what that's part of the that's part of what what makes the game like that it's like, like there'd be the waves the... and everything dude like it'd be I crashing know, against know, the I sides know. but i still think it's it's a brilliant part of the game where you're like you son of a and then you know and you learn and the second time it's not as bad yeah but just going back to the bed of chaos boss like that was a one boss i was just like if i could just skip this boss i'd do it it's so bullshit i had to play that boss quite a few times just because yeah. every time you know like when you said there's something you do in the boss and that progresses you almost to the second phase, let's just say it. Hmm. And then, like, you, I kept running down and just dying almost instantly. Like, I, I got to a point where I took off all my gear to be as fast as possible. <laughs> I was just trying to get down to, like, kill the boss. And I'm like, this is fucking annoying. Yeah. It just wasn't yeah. hard. It was just frustrating. That's exactly what it is. It's just annoying. It's a, yeah. it's a bad example of game design. And I think we, we I had to call it out. Like, this, yeah, yeah. this game that's has its yeah. flaws, just like all of the games on our Game of Some Other Year nominated yeah, list. But, well, but to me, Dark Souls, it shines brighter in the sense that you everything else about the game is so memorable and obviously oh, yeah. well-designed that it gets past that. Yeah, I honestly have got like I, I think I've lost brain cells or something. But you know, I'll play games. I'll see footage of games. I'm like, I don't remember this. Like, I'll see something. I'm like, <laughs> I I've played this game. I've beaten this game. I don't remember this at all, right? Or Twinny will say something. I'm like, I have no recollection. Whereas this game, watching footage, and yeah, fair enough. I have played this game recently, but everything is so visually and distinct in level design. It's like one homogenous thing where it's just like so memorable how it yeah, all sits totally. together the the only problem becomes if you play if you play the original demon souls and you play dark souls 2 and then dark souls 3 i know it doesn't happen to swinney but there are certain parts where i'm like shit did i play that in dark souls 3 or was that part in dark <laughs> souls 2 or was it in the recent demon like it 
there's a couple of bosses like that where I'm like, I don't remember if that boss was in two or three or one or whatever. Mm. That I've had that problem before. I, I don't want to spoil stuff for myself, so don't. No, no, comment. no, no. This isn't spoiling anything at all. No. Well, don't comment about what I'm about to say because okay. it might be there might be a reason why this is the case. But so don't. And I'll spoil keep it. a blank face on the video. Yeah, I'll try well. not to look at you. But every now and then, when I'd like, you know do my half blind half not blind playthrough i would like google something and then it would be like come up in dark souls and dark souls 3 i was like what like this area is in dark souls 3 with the exact same name and i'm like oh okay i don't like that seems a bit weird but yeah i don't i don't want to go too deep down that rabbit hole yeah because look because you got to play two and three well i don't know if i'll play two. Oh, what two's really <laughs> i love two though <laughs> Uh, I think I'll play three and Demon Souls, and then if I have Why time, not I'll two? play. Why not two, dude? Like I don't have much time to play games. Yeah, but the series—it's just such a good series. Two. What? What would you say, Swinny? I love two. Look, I've already told him to God. I think Dark Souls Two is a great game. If you have to choose yeah. between two and three, I would recommend. If you it. had to choose, if you but to the choose. reality is, eventually you're going to play both. I reckon it I might take know. ten years. But you'll play both. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> so I would probably just do two. And so, then, then, then jump. I don't know. Are we at our <laughs> final thoughts? I've got one final yeah, thought. Yeah, yeah. Let's go final thoughts. So yeah. my, my final thought is Dark Souls is not a game for everyone. But yeah. it's a game that I would recommend everyone give a chance. Because mm. if it clicks with you, there's a very high chance it'll probably end up being one of the best games you've ever played. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know what? I can't say it any better than that, Swinny. Well, <laughs> like that's, that's, that's a good I wrap up. I wholeheartedly yep. agree with where you're coming from. And Ditto. I will, uh, you know, two hours and something into the podcast, fully acknowledge that you were right, Swinny. You were right <laughs> 10 years ago that I should have played this game because this well, is the exact kind of game that would have dragged me back into gaming at the time. It, Uh-oh, it what have we done? Genuinely addressed everything that was wrong, in my view, with games. And it was almost the antithesis of triple a games back then and to a degree right now although there are a lot of inspiration around dark souls um yeah an amazing game and maybe good be... you didn't get into it though because if you did maybe your entire life would have been different you wouldn't have the <laughs> wife the children the house it's true you would have been i don't know a streamer in a bathtub and <laughs> on twitch or something i don't know wow <laughs> i like it went from hot tubs to bathtubs it's just whatever i don't whatever accidentally they allow. I, I don't know what they allow <laughs> you just have the money for a hot tub just go the bathtub round. i just gonna blow up one and put it in my room all right uh that leads us off to the wrap-up of the show uh so next week we'll do some e3 pre-3 uh 2021 predictions I think, yeah, we'll have to try to squeeze them in because it feels like news is coming out really, really quickly. And uh, we've finally got clarity on our end, behind the scenes. On Wait, we do? Our special feature, that's one sexy pitch. I feel like we don't have clarity because I'm not sure if I'm we are right or Swinney's right. But We're okay, definitely right, but we don't, want to, we don't want to press it too much. We don't want to press it to Swinney okay. too much. So what we're doing is the topic is sequels. The games that never got a sequel. So our pitch is for a game that never got a sequel to create a uh, that's sequel. Not, for that's it. not what we said, but we'll clarify. That's not what that. I. I'm so yeah. confused. I what? swear. That's Are not you what we serious? Said. <laughs> Are you guys serious? No, 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 I know sequel we said that never that. got made. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, Sorry, it doesn't what, mean what that game saying? didn't get a sequel in general. No, 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 no. Uh, it has to be games that have another sequel. I've already, I've already prepared all my stuff, so I'm not. Oh my god, that's not what we said. Agreed on. 
Okay, I like the number original one. agreement more. Number one, right, the original whatever. agreement was Swinney was going to do it by himself, the sexy <laughs> no. pitch, one sexy no. pitch. That's what I thought that. as well, Never yeah. <laughs> no, no, Mike and I have had chats offline about this. We've got evidence. We've got message evidence that you're wrong about this, Swinney. Number one. Number two, what do you? Ha- what the hell are you do guys you, talking about? Do you about? have recorded phone calls of when we first talked about this? No. <laughs> no. I've, got, I've got text messages that are incriminating no. to you. It's very clear in the text no. messages. So wait, I'm looking at this now. So I said something along the lines of, like, yeah, da, 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 da. pitch a sequel that never was made. Yeah, doesn't mean the okay. game never got a sequel. Pitch. Any I'm other writing sequels. this down so I know what I'm doing. Pitch a sequel that was never made. So wait, but hang on, that I'm confused. So All right, let's just there go. is a game, but it never had a sequel. But yes, so let's go saying, with games. Let's go with games that okay. never, ever had a sequel. I've already okay. prepared all my stuff, so no. <laughs> oh. That's not happening. So wait, well, so this what is are you just doing a bullshit then, one. It's just like an alternative sequel then. Why wouldn't I have said it let's like just, that? Let's just pitch a game <laughs> that we want to pitch. That's what? It. That's it. This is like no theme. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no theme anyway let's wrap up the show. <laughs> no, I want okay. an evidence because we, we keep yeah, on disagreeing need- with well, this. I need this in black and white so I know what the hell I'm going to do. So what are we doing, Swinny? A sequel that never got made. Yeah, there we go. So an alternative sequel is what we're doing. Just a sequel that never got made. No, just to be clear. So this is we could pick any game then. All right, this is not the most interesting thing to listen to. No, I want it on the record because we keep on getting it wrong. (laughs) So just to be clear, Swinny, it has to be the sequel and it could be like anything then. Yeah. So Dark Souls 2... But t- totally different. It could, you could be <laughs> pitching Dark Souls 20. I don't care, as long as it's a sequel. What? So it, it might even be like a third or fourth game? Yeah. It could be, could, <laughs> could be, what's the point of this it could theme? be a spin-off or anything. I don't know. I've already prepared all my stuff, so I'm not changing it. <laughs> what a team player. <laughs> <laughs> what, you want me to throw away freaking like five hours of work? Screw uh, that. No, but how... Okay, in, in that case... So now I'm going to change my idea then. Well, yeah. Can I change my idea? Yeah, of if, course you can. If it's more open. It's basically anything, as long as it's not the first of a series. I'm cool. I'm cool for us to do anything, and then we get more. Like when we do it in the future, we can make it much more. Um, I'm going to save famous. my actual proper idea, which is make a sequel that never got made, which is a game that never had a sequel. <laughs> Like Sunset I, Overdrive okay. 2. You can you can do you go do that. I'll do mine. No, that's harder. So I'm going to save that now because okay. I've got an idea. Okay. So I'm going to pick I, what I originally picked. Am I allowed to just do whatever then? Yeah, pretty much as long as it's like as long as it's you know, not an original game. Assassin's Creed 21. <laughs> as long as it's not a new IP. As long as it's not a new IP. Okay, that's cool. That's fine. Oh my god! Well, I'm glad we clarified that because it still was misunderstood. <laughs> this is like ten weeks you. into I'm coming confused. up with this idea. <laughs> you need, you need right. to word things better. <laughs> I, I, look, to be fair, and I did acknowledge some stuff. I listened back to the show and I said, I can understand how Swinney misinterpreted this, but some of the messages were a lot clearer, but maybe not as clear as it needs to be. I need to give examples to make it black and white, but then it's hard to come up with examples without picking the ones that I want to pick. Sunset Overdrive. Sunset Overdrive 2. There isn't a Sunset Overdrive 2. <laughs> no, there isn't. That would have been a good example. Okay, so next week, everyone, our sexy pitch Basically, anything that's a sequel, the third in the series, fifth in the series, doesn't matter, according to Swinney. As long as it's the next game. Yes. <laughs> in the the, line. Assassin's Creed 25. As the, this is officially the, the post-show bleeding into the outro right here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, with that, <laughs> bye-bye. See you later. later. Keep recording.